Hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast episode 275, and today it is a milestone episode. It is the very last episode of the Uticast on the same computer I've had for the last 11 years. Finally, new computer is here. I'm very excited uh, to celebrate the last man to record on the old computer system. Our good friend Malik Gale joins the pod to celebrate the fifth season of the Against the Algorithm podcast and to talk about his musical algorithm. All that, folks, plus the first presidential debates, uh, Utica Police stuff, Utica Library, all of this, folks, and so much more. We are happy, as always, to have you here. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't know why. You do. Do I? I just haven't let it in. Today... I see. ...is officially the final podcast with this computer. Mm. We've I've had this laptop for going on 11 years. Yeah, <laughs> An outrageous amount of time. Yeah. According to Apple's online tracking... Uh-huh. Um... I any should, second. Any second. Any if this second. pod is going and the Apple people knock at the door, I don't think the Apple people are coming I don't think they'll send their own people. Whoever is coming, I might get up and go get the new laptop in the middle of this podcast. I won't feel bad at all. Mm. I feel like I have to. Because then if I don't go get it, they're going to go take it and bring it to like the storage facility somewhere on North Brother Island. I'm going to have to go get it. Right? They're not just going to leave that out front. you got to sign for a laptop, I would imagine. Uh, I wonder. You think they just leave a laptop... They don't oh. care. Who? Who? Yeah, who cares? Well, FedEx cares? FedEx, you know. Who? No. Well, they, have, they might take it back to the building. You'd have to go get it in a risk Yeah, I'm not trying to drive to a risk I'm trying to get it here, delivered to me, mm. in the comfort and affordability of this weirdly hot 80-degree household today. What's going on? The, the weather, I mean, this is normal. This is mm. what happens. Get some warm days uh. in October. Uh. Last dying gasp of the warm weather. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, folks. It's episode 275. Uh, joining us this week, the last podcast guest on this computer, mm. our good friend Malik Gale, who has come back so many times recently, he's almost become a recurring segment and mm-hmm. not so much a special guest, right? He's here, yeah, yeah. and I'm happy about that. I love having Malik on the show. It's true. We played a game, Malik and I, during our very long and thorough 51-minute interview <laughs> because we can't stop talking. Mm. Uh, we, I was originally calling it The Musical Timeline, which you'll see on my notes, but I don't like that name. Mm. Uh, so we went with Our Musical Algorithm to tie in the Against the Algorithm podcast name into it. So mm. we played the Musical Algorithm game where we chose six songs that represented our history as music lovers and music fans. Through our uh, high school and college and post-college careers in life in terms of our fandom. And Kevin, we'll get your picks after the break. Cause we oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, so... I hope I warned you adequately. Oh, I think I'll, well, I can, I'll pick some stuff. Uh, so let's see. New laptop out of the way. Uh, so look forward to some new stuff. I think with the new laptop, we might be able to get different microphones from me and Kevin, which might be mm. a nice little change-up. Have our you own never separate know. We do all sorts of stuff. All sorts of cool stuff. Uh, I also wanted to shout out all uh, 
a hundred and some odd people who watched the very first episode of the For the Lads Parlay Boys Gambling Show. Yo. Featuring the two newest members of Maiden Utica, uh, Bobby Apollo and Drew the Greek. Great work they're doing out there yeah, yeah. on their gambling show. Uh, I'll just say this. You know, you can subscribe on YouTube or you can follow it on Twitter. For the Lads, mm-hmm. FTL Sports on both. Uh, I'll just say this. If you had gambled with the Parlay Boys, you could have turned your $120 into $250 this hey. week. And... The potential for even more money this evening. Who mm. knows? So I'm just saying, small oh. amounts of money. Sports gambling sweeping Sports. the nation. <laughs> also speaking, sweeping the nation, Kevin. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers in Correct. the NBA Finals Correct. against the Miami Correct. Heat. Uh, what's your prediction for your beloved Lakers? Lakers in five. Lakers um, in five. I listen. I've been telling everybody, you know, and I I made it very clear. There's plenty of room, plenty of room on Lakers Island on the bandwagon for anybody who wants to join. Will you? What do you say to the people who will tell you that this championship won't mean as much because it's in the bubble and everything changed and there's no home fans? What are your, what are your thoughts on those naysayers and those trolls? Haters stay mad. <laughs> Let them. Yeah, whatever. I mean, sure. Cool. Uh, I, I don't. I don't buy it. There's nothing I love more than when like some positive thing happens for like mm-hmm. a team I like, and then you go on Twitter and watch the fans from other teams just like gesticulate wildly and bend themselves yeah, into I've a been, corner. To- <laughs> I've got to tell you, this, this playoff season as a Lakers fan, our first time you know, back like this in 10 years, I have been gorging myself on the salt. Yeah. Oh, I will yeah. say I've been gorging mm-hmm. myself on the salt from you know, opposing fans, opposing idiots, anything like that. No, I'm just checking the door in case the, the, the new computer's here. I know. I'm, I'm, like, I'm gesticulating wildly toward the door in case the computer's here. Uh, no, I think the Lakers... I think this has been a very exciting NBA playoffs. I've really yeah. enjoyed watching the bubble mm-hmm. games. Uh, what can I say? The passing and shooting entertains me. I like to watch the physical acumen. I like to watch the last players. play of games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do also like Lakers and Six. Mm. Five. I don't know. I think the Heat are all right. I Heat like, are good. Heat are I like good Jimmy team. Buckets. It's the NBA Finals. Of course they're, they're good. Big fan of the Dragon, Goran Dragic. Mm-hmm. Shout out. Get him on the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more quick notes before we get to this week's news. Uh, one serious, but we'll do the non-serious one first. Uh, we talked last week about the new Genesee Street that they were doing with the bike lanes. and uh, uh, Yes. It's been a week. We've driven up and down parts of the new Genesee Street. What do you think so far? I have been out there. Um, Fine. It looks pretty nice. Yeah, fine. Once they do it, it'll be good. Um, I don't know if they're going to extend past the roundabout mm-hmm. further downtown with it. I think that would be problematic because it gets a little bit heavier uh, traffic downtown past the roundabout. Mm-hmm. But for, for where it is, it looks like it might be helpful in managing, you know, traffic. A lot of people walking in the streets, crossing the streets, wanting to ride bikes and trying to have expansive bikes. Um, you don't really need four lanes through that section in front of the Ovalston and all that yeah. stuff like that. Like, it's not, it doesn't really support, the traffic patterns don't really support it, so. Um, the roundabout's looking real nice, too. They just did a lot of work on the United Square roundabout there. It looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, Uh, all right. Let's move on to a serious one. I just want to thank everybody who came out on Saturday for mm. the memorial for Matt Wilkinson that we had down at Handshake City. It was really nice. I was really bummed that I couldn't make it to that. Yeah, yeah. Really, really bummed. Um, it was a it was a really nice turnout. Uh, we raised over five hundred dollars for the American Foundation for suicide prevention. Uh, you know, there's video on the internet that KTV took, so I'm sure you may have seen Justin talking on there. But mm-hmm. you know, for me, I just uh, you know, it's it's Matt certainly would have loved and appreciated to see all the people who would have you know, who come came out to see him and support him and his certainly. family. And um, yeah, it was nice to see people and share in, in memories and just sort of chat with some of the folks out there. 
Uh, a lot of the folks we know who've been on the show, GFOPs, friends, people I never didn't know were friends with Matt. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was really nice. It was a nice way to honor him. Um, I had the the dubious distinction of coming up with the playlist mm. for it, and that was a tough go because I don't, you know, what I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, he <laughs> sent me the link, but I couldn't I add like, any ah. songs, so I was like, well, I. Can... Mm, and you know, yeah, in I hindsight, know. I was overthinking it because you know it was just music in the background and people were talking and no one was really 100%, paying yeah, attention. Yeah. And you know, and Matt's family's pretty down with all the music that Matt, of course, like listened to, well, right? For him, yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. what they're down with. Uh, but it's weird because like you know, a lot of the stuff he listens to growing up is stuff we listened to growing up, and it always mm-hmm. feels weird for me to hear like a Goldfinger song or like an Offspring oh, no song. Way. It's like, a Goldfinger. <laughs> well, there was tons of Goldfinger on there, but mm-hmm. it just you know, for me, I don't know why it felt like I was like, I don't know, is this in the moment? I guess. And then once we yeah, were there, of course, it's a celebration. You know, you don't want to go there. And listen to like a bunch of sad like hymns, you know what I mean? That's not what it's about. That's true. It's true. Uh, and last but not least, uh, continuing this week, Dan Rudolph, Wednesday, six p.m. The Juggling mm. Workshops. Uh, if you've been going, I've heard we had some people turn out last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, GFOP Justin Parkinson said it's more of a workout than he expected. Yeah, yeah, and a mental workout as well. Big so, juggling. So there you go. I, I'm still going to try and get Dan on here to tell us his story because I think it's really cool. All right, let's get into. The news of this week, and like I said, our interview with Malik went pretty long, so I don't know how long we're going to go today, but let's talk about what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is the first presidential debate between mm-hmm. Donald Trump and Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. Uh, it will be tomorrow from 9 to 10.30 p.m. Uh, Chris Wallace, anchor from Fox News Sunday, will be moderating. Do you like Chris Wallace? Do you have thoughts about Chris Wallace as a I mean, moderator? I got thoughts. I don't know. Yeah. What do you... I don't know. I just I don't. I, I think he'll probably be all right for this. Like he, I don't think he'll be egregious. Could be worse. Could be worse, right? Could be worse. It'll, I mean, it'll be framed a certain way. It's still you know Fox News, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, here's the topics they're going to select. Uh, they're going to talk about Trump and Biden's records, the Supreme Court, COVID nineteen, the economy, race and violence in U.S. cities, and finally. The integrity of the election, which is mostly added on here because of what Trump has said about not committing to a peaceful transfer of power. Sure. Uh, Kev, my question is, what do you think, if anything, we will learn from the first presidential debate in 2020? Uh, I don't I don't know about learn. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a little bit stuck on the word learn, but I mean, I think it depends who we is. I yeah. think a lot of people will, I think the contrast will be stark. I think the contrast will be stark, and I think it will be, um, the contrast will be stark. That's uh, it. I've seen a lot of reports coming out uh, from different news sources over the week that Trump is not taking this debate very seriously in of terms of yeah, prep. Uh, I, th- I feel like I'm also seeing a lot of people that, on his side, expecting Trump to lose this first debate. Seems to be the like they're, they're preparing they're, him. They're specifically trying to raise expectations uh, for Biden, so they can frame anything as a win because they know he's going to get mopped. Mm. Uh, I'm curious to see too. There was a New York Times article that came out today uh, or earlier this week, published uh, that says that Donald Trump uh, talked about his tax return, saying he only paid seven hundred and fifty dollars. Oh in yeah, federal... this is. Go ahead. I need to cut you off. No, no, go. Uh, $750 in federal tax uh, payouts in 2016, 2017 has not paid taxes in 11 of the last 18 years. Uh, I wonder, you know, this comes out right before the debate. I'm you know, sure this question will come up in the debate tomorrow. Do you wonder? Yeah, this is the, I mean, this is the biggest story. Uh, that's a small, that $750 is like the, the clickbait, the focus here, but also the fact that he owes 460 like, 
million dollars to people in loans. Like this New York Times story is colossal and yeah. it's really, really dense and pages and pages long. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of information and a lot more coming, you know. So it's a, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's colossal. You can't have a debate in good faith and not talk about this. We've uh, we've talked in years about how Trump is sort of impervious to any sort of criticism. It feels like uh, this, you know. I, again, I don't know that him and his tax returns will be the thing that's like the smoking gun or the the silver bullet. It always has been. You think so? I don't know if it'll change his the people. Who nothing. Are, yeah. There's nothing. Yeah. Sam, there's nothing yeah. that will change. The people whose minds will not be changed. There's not. There's nothing that could ever come out, no matter how depraved you think it might be, that would change a certain thirty-five percent of the people's minds. Yeah, you're not going to change those people's minds. Um. So yeah, this is a this is a huge story. I wonder what he'll respond to tomorrow if they bring it up. He's already the he's off the rails today. Yeah. Off the rails today. I mean, even more than usual, <laughs> which is wild to see. Uh, are you interested in watching this debate tomorrow? Yeah, I would love to. I'm not going to. I've got rehearsal. Um, yeah. I would like to watch it, but I also, um, on, like, with conditions and mm-hmm. terms, Yeah, I'll say. Sure. But yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm just, it'll be inescapable. You know, you'll be able to see it. That's true. Sure I kind of like watching it. it live if possible. Uh, I like to watch it in the moment, because I feel like if I start watching clips of it afterwards, I, I don't get the whole sort of story. I'd like to watch at least the whole thing and not oh, just... Oh, yeah, yeah. Cut up chunks and sound bites. I like to see the whole procedure. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, uh, there will be three more uh, planned debates after this on October seventh. You'll get the vice presidential debate between uh, Mike Pence and Kamala Harris. Is that more or less entertaining for you to watch? Would you think? Uh, more. More entertaining. I'm more. curious to see. Yeah. Uh, to see that one. Then there'll be a second and third presidential debate between Biden and Trump on October fifteenth and October twenty second. Maybe it's just been a while. It feels like those are all kind of close. I feel like they usually spaced them out more, but maybe not. No, I mean, the general general debate schedule. Normally, you get three presidential, one vice. Uh, all right, we can move on from politics stuff for this week. Uh, you want to talk about some Utica stuff this week, though? Because there's some interesting Utica stuff. Always. Uh, this is from WIBX 9:50 a.m. Earlier this week, in the wake of a most recent disciplinary action taken against a 19 year uh, 19 year veteran of the Utica Police Force. Uh, several officers walked off the job or called in sick this week. Uh, uh, this is also reported later this week that everyone's back on staff. But I thought that Paul Mary actually, you know, I've been like a, criti- a critic of Paul Mary on this show. I thought he's, sure. and you know, I'll give him some credit. I thought he's handled this uh, any sort of UPD issues pretty pretty well in mm-hmm. terms of public relations and how he's presented mm-hmm. the sort of transparency of it. And I I just wanted to say I don't give him a lot of credit on this show. Sure, typically, <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, I'm not saying I'm like a full-fledged turnaround on him or anything, but I thought he's handled all this situation pretty well. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but... Um, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen this. This article is news to me, so I haven't seen what he said here. Well, upon the announcement of the incident and the call for the mayor's office for Getty's firing, uh, several of the officers decided to walk out. Uh, statement from the mayor's office acknowledged the walked out and called out the officers. This is the statement. It's disappointing that some members of the Utica Police Department violated their oath to protect and serve our community. Regardless of one's opinions on a respective personal issue is unacceptable to potentially endanger the safety of our residents and the fellow members of the police department who chose to remain and honor their commitment. Our community demands better. Discipline will be forthcoming for police, uh, Utica police personnel who engage in these actions as it will not be tolerated. Very strong. Yeah, I, was like, I like that lot. quote. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I wanted to give a little palmary praise here on the podcast. Yeah, of Something course. I don't always... got, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been sort of just trying to follow any of these sort of, like, Utica police stories since they've been going on. But it's, you know, I, again, I, 
they've been doing a good job at least being transparent with their interactions and the body cam stuff seems to be helpful. It, it seems to be helpful to have body cams mm. is what the roundabout of that story is. Do you want to hear a good Utica story? Yeah, always. Utica Public Library is giving away books this week in preparation for a new system. So anyone who is looking for free books this week, they can go swing by the Utica Public Library. They're in the parking lot, giving out free books. Kevin, Gotta very, go. <laughs> very Gotta excited. go. Putting boxes in the car. This is what I bought a Jeep for, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm such a sucker for free books. Like, there's... Oh, if if you yeah, had a I, trap to catch me, me, like, you were going to serve, my, serve yeah. me or something for a court, just give me, like, a big... House with a sign that says free books. Mm-hmm. Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. what's, what's yeah, in here? Been a books, yeah, absolutely. You've been served. Damn it. Ah. Absolutely. There's literally piles of books all over this house. house. Like I was just moving some of them earlier. I was looking. Well, I laugh. Poor GFOP Mark Simon came in last night to watch uh, football with us mm-hmm. and asked me about history or asked us about history books. And I think I hit him with like seven. I was like, here's yeah, you seven sent him books. Home with like six, but he looks like a freshman leaving the college bookstore. <laughs> Some moment like six history books and looking it's like told, dense like I told him he could put back whatever he wanted. He didn't want to put anything back. No, uh, he's a yeah. He's I'm, I'm glad he I'm glad he ta- no one ever takes books for me. So come take always books. Always love me. to see always love to see people dive in, especially when somebody comes like, Hey, do you have any history books? It's always an interesting one. Uh here's a story also somewhat locally based, uh, about Congressman Anthony Brindisi who this week introduced legislation to prevent the spread of graphic and violent content on social media. This law which he's introducing called Bianca's Law in honor of Bianca Devins. Mm. Uh, this would require all social media platforms with more than $10 million in revenue and more than 100,000 monthly users to establish an office dedicated to identifying and removing violent content that violates the platform's content moderation standards. That's the first mm. part. It would increase transparency by requiring social media companies to publicly report the phone number of their content moderation office Ensure the chief mo- uh, content moderation reports directly to the CEO of the company and establishes tr- staff training and routine audits. Uh, again, goes farther in just sort of social media uh, sort of guidelines, I suppose. Gives social media companies an incentive to uh, moderate their content by allowing public-facing accountability. I like a lot of this. I, I always talk about technology and social media and even just like the internet and cell phones. Like in, It feels like it's been here our whole lives, but in the long scape of, scope of things it's only been here for like the the head of a pin right it's only been here for a second like a flash mm-hmm. second in our society less than a second less than a second yeah, right yeah. and it it feels like we haven't really figured out any real sort of guidelines for how to make this work responsibly mm-hmm. and so I think we're probably we weren't that far off from somebody doing something like this anyway and I'm glad that Brindisi's sort of taken initiative I like this platform mm-hmm. uh, can we talk about something less serious than this always Let's talk about the campaign ads between Brindisi and Claudia Tenney right now. Oh, my now. gosh. <laughs> I, again, I'm, I'm openly, you know, Claudia blocks us on this show, so I can't tell if she likes Come on the show. Yeah, come on the Claudia, show. Claudia, talk to me. Any, you're always welcome on the show. Anytime. And, and Brindisi's, anytime, come talk to me. You know, Brindisi's been on many times. That being said, I'm really <laughs> burned out from the amount of ads that I've had mm, to see. It's tough. It's almost every commercial break. And especially if you watch YouTube content, mm. which we watch a lot of. It's every break. Every mm. break is a five to ten second. I'm. It is. It is making me internally angry. Mm. <laughs> I hate it so much. Tis the season. I do like the one ad though because I like the voice that they use when they say Nancy Pelosi. It's like she's Skeletor. They're like mm. Nancy Pelosi. It's like you ever see that episode of Parks and Rec with Bobby Newport? That's yeah, what they're yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. Bobby Newport. Well, they didn't. I mean, they didn't make that up. <laughs> no, I know, <laughs> you know, I know what I mean. They, they, Bobby Newport was a funny joke for a reason with that voice. It's very true. 
Uh, I have a couple uh, reads of the week for you before we go into our interview. Uh, first one is a read from Politico this week. It's called "How uh, Here's How the Pandemic Finally Ends. And it's sort of a breakdown about potentially what the future could look like with us moving past the coronavirus pandemic. Mm. It's a long piece, so I won't read a lot of it to you, but this is sort of in the early part. Uh, this is what they potentially could see as a way out of it, right? By November 2021, most Americans would have received two doses of a vaccine that, while not gloriously effective, fights the disease in more cases than not. Meanwhile, Americans would continue to wear masks and avoid the large gatherings, and the COVID numbers steadily drop as a series of surges earlier uh, after a series of surges earlier in the year. Eventually, as more and more Americans develop immunity through exposures and vaccination, and the treatments become more effective, COVID recedes into the swarm of ordinary illnesses Americans get every winter. So that's like the first sort of paragraph, and the rest of it is a lot denser in terms of mm. potential scenarios. But that's from Politico, and that's a free read on the internet. Uh, Politico's magazine. Here's how the pandemic finally ends. Mm. Any reads for you this week? Anything you've been reading you liked? Oh, man, probably a bunch of stuff. I'll come correct with some reads next week if we're doing reads of the week. I don't have anything off the top of my head that I can think of. That's fine. Uh, and then I have one thanks I hate it this week. This is a new story from NBC News. And the people, uh, and this one's for the people of the Washington Ozuki Public Health, uh, I'm sorry, Public School Department, where a handful of irresponsible parents sent their kids into school knowing that they were already infected with COVID-19. So for all the irresponsible parents uh, in the state of Washington, wherever this is, no, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, uh, you brought your kids into public school that was open with COVID. Thank you, but I hate it. I hate it mm. so much. The worst. Pretty terrible. Pretty terrible. Uh, all right, let's do something fun though. We have our interview coming up with mm. Malik Gale against the Algorithm Podcast. Back uh, this week for their second new episode, the second episode of their new season, season five. Mm. Uh, I love Malik's show. I think he does great work. One of my favorite people to talk to about music. As per usual, I came up with a concept that was probably too grandiose in mm. my mind. Like, oh, let's do this overarching thing. Like these six right. songs that represent blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, a lot of people don't think about stuff the way that my warped brain thinks about things. And <laughs> so it, it probably didn't come out in my mind as smoothly as I had anticipated. Mm. Right, because there are a lot of things that we had to precursor in. But as usual, Malik and I had a great time talking to each other about a lot of stuff, not just music. Mm -hmm. uh, if you like Malik, obviously subscribe to the Against the Algorithm podcast, where all podcasts are found, including Stitcher. Hashtag Stitcher Hive. Stitcher Hive. Uh, and for now, so for now, settle in, relax, and enjoy the musical algorithm created by me and Malik. I'm sorry, Malik and myself. Is that that's proper? Right, I think that's Malik right. And I, yeah, well, Malik and I. Right, sure, it's, sure. Here's Malik. Started quarantine 
is uh, I've really started leaning into sports gambling. It's oh, like, no. Oh, it, no. It is. It's one of the worst ah. ideas I've ever had. Uh, so that's sort of been, I don't know, just something, there's a terrible habit that we've picked up during quarantine. We're actually going to start making, I think, some video content. Like, <laughs> oh. me and my maiden Utica guy have, like, bets and stuff like that. Go for it. I'm I was at the job. casino today. I oh, had to, no. Yeah, no. We the, because it's, well, that's the reason I'm like, I wanted to start once we got here because it's, 7.30 on a, on a Thursday night, which is very off-brand for me to do the this show. Is very very off-brand. Off yeah. uh, but, you know, I we'd sort of been playing tag talking about this, but we wanted to do this sort of, what I'm calling it, I initially called it the musical timeline, <laughs> but now I'm calling it the musical algorithm because I thought that was more uh, on in brand. line, on-brand. <laughs> it's a little bit more um, on-brand. <laughs> Uh, and we've been sort of talking about this for a couple days, and uh, I initially planned to have you on last week. Yeah. And what happened essentially is I looked at my my scheduling. I'm like, God, it's only been like less than three months. Yeah. Well, I like you were on. I would say twelve episodes ago. I think. Wow. Which is which is about three months, right? Yeah. Uh, which is you're bordering on um, no longer a guest, but like recurring character. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bordering on. I grow stronger every visit. <laughs> I uh, we used to come up with fake titles for people when they would come on. Like my former host of the show, Aaron Higgins, who used to be on. Yeah. She was like the only Mets fan we knew. So she was also like New York Mets uh, correspondent, Aaron Higgins. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to think of my correspondent. I'll, I'll think it up. What was it? You were mentioning talking about things that have been happening. Since oh yeah, no, 14? please, yeah. I, I I don't think I want to fucking say this because I, I've talked so much shit about this. So much. Listen, everyone who knows me, I have talked so much shit up and down about this platform, but I joined fucking TikTok. You did it! You made, I, the, you made the move. Well, I thought I was going to get shut down on fucking Sunday, so I was like, fuck well, it. It did feel like recently it's become a sign of resistance, right? I yeah. have to sign up for the resistance, aka TikTok. Um, it's way, but they get you. It, they get you pinned. It's terrifying. Yeah. Well, you know what my problem is now. It's much like anything else, right? I got on Twitter really early. I got on MySpace pretty early, which really dates me in terms of how old I am. <laughs> uh, same with Facebook. Now that I'm in like my mid thirties, I'll turn like thirty five in in January. I'm never the first that any platform is ever again. So TikTok feels like there's like, I was like, number one, I don't even have any creative content anymore. Yeah. This is what I do for creative content. <laughs> like, we I, talk. Yeah, we chat it up. Yeah. Like, I am not good at dances or flossing or any sort of like weird filtering. Like my, my yeah. friend, uh, shout out to my friend Jill Ducato who does really cool like TikTok stuff that gets a lot of like fans. And yeah. I'm just like, I... Like, I am an old man. <laughs> I, I, the thing about it is, I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with it. I just don't know. I don't know if I, it's right now. It's just lurking. I haven't lurking. Yeah, I haven't really made content because I don't know what I'd want to do. How How old are you right now? 23. I'm turning 24 in about in literally a, like a month. 24. Yeah. You're gonna get to a point that I got to again. I'm, I sound like old man yelling <laughs> clouds, and we're gonna. It's gonna get even worse as the show gets on. Uh, I mean, you're shit's gonna, crazy. You're gonna get to a point where you get on a social media platform and go, "This might be the end. This might. <laughs> this I might mean, be the last social media platform." I was thinking about that with TikTok. I'm like, because the thing about it was like, you hear all the news about what information and what data they get, like how much data, the dances and all. So you hear that and like. Being something with my job, being like a social media manager, yeah, 
Like, that's another prop thing. Because I would hear so many people that would say, like, hey, we should make a TikTok. So at my last job, which <laughs> if you can play 20 questions, you probably know what yeah, it is. for sure. They People can go back and listen. We, we've talked about it before. Oh, I've, I've openly <laughs> said it. And it was in my bio for a yeah. long time. I don't do that anymore. No, not um, dangerous. But my, well, my old job, they're like, hey, we we should probably make a TikTok. And we were debating doing it, and it made more sense. My current job is a nonprofit, and someone asked us, like, hey, we should make a TikTok. And I'm like, I, we, there's no reason for a nonprofit to be on TikTok. And I'm not saying the name because I've sworn too much. Yeah. I've sworn too much. I feel like every time I come on the show, I swear up a storm. This, uh, I think this house facilitates it. Uh, something about yeah. this, I, I, and I just always assumed that was people being comfortable in the studio. Yeah. I gotta be honest, like, uh. You are probably the first person we've had in the studio since uh, Devin Mahoney from the Uptown who came yeah. in, uh, just because he and his was uh, him being gracious because we we sat like like we're doing now sat far away and he ha- you know we had I had tech issues and he was nice enough to come in and yeah. do the whole thing but like you know I've I've struggled to sort of convert this show over to what you would refer to like. A digital platform. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not for me. I had experience doing it, and, like, it's been, it's still been pretty hard. There was actually an interview I had recently that went pretty, like, it was probably the biggest interview for the show, yeah. and I had technical difficulties that lasted 10 minutes into the scheduled yep. time, and it was yep. the biggest, like, realistically, it's the biggest anxiety attack I've had before an interview. <laughs> Um, well, I can say it now because the episode's out. Living, it was the Living, Living Tombstones. Tombstones, which I was just listening to. It's very good. So thank you. <laughs> so we scheduled, and it was, we did Discord this time. So mm-hmm. I, I've never, I have never really? done an interview on Discord. Yeah. I have a Discord. I've used it here and there, but it's not a big pot for my use. So mm. when we first went on it, my mic just wasn't working <laughs> at all. They could not hear me. Just nothing. Yeah. So I have these two people who, like, a band one I've been a fan of for, like, years Love the band, like, was when I was a meanie teenager and they were, t- like, talking about pop culture stuff. Like, <laughs> I love, like, I love the band. I still love their new records. Really cool. And then also a band that has, like, a huge reach. Like, they have, like, TikTok meme songs. Yeah. They're, like, they're getting shouted out by, like, little Jack Black. Well, what I songs. thought was really interesting is you sort of talked about them sort of being involved in, like, video game music and yeah. stuff. And, you know, this is, you know, when I was living in New York and I was sort of getting to the end of my playing music as a maybe we could use this as a way to like have a career yeah that was sort of the discussion like why are we making music like why are we making singles yeah where we could make like we wanted to be radiohead essentially like, we, I mean, like i was like i want to make music for there will be blood the movie right yeah like, i don't want to like, it's, it's a score it's not like yeah a, yeah yeah like because that was like and you know we'll get to that later like there's something about that i think is really smart in terms of you know i grew up in an era when like if you put your song if you gave somebody your song Death. or something, nah, Death. done, cooked. Yeah. Now it's just like I need as many platforms as possible because the world is so full of noise. People right? are becoming famous and getting careers off of TikTok. TikTok, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's a weird thing to see, and the, it was an awesome interview because it was cool to like really get into a situation where they're basically kind of starting. They're building their own universe. They're building a whole world around just creating music and it's something that like not a lot of guests I've talked to the show really have like they've been around for nine years yeah and then that and they've just released their first studio album and most bands I've talked to they're really around for maybe like like a few years yeah I mean. yeah so it's like so like 
I don't really know what bands I've talked to that's been that have do, been doing their current project for like more, around that time. I know Mystery Skulls maybe. Yeah, Mystery Skulls. Yeah. Well, you know it's funny too. I was thinking about this a lot because you know I was gonna ask you a little bit. You know if quarantine has changed your production in terms of like how you've reached out to bands. But I also wonder, you know, if I were a musician, like I see a lot of people in this current time who are like, I don't want to shoot shade at anybody, but I saw a friend of mine who like is like jacked now since yeah. quarantine started, right? Because he's just like, oh yeah, I've done nothing but like a thousand push-ups a day mm-hmm. in quarantine. I'm like, man, I am not one of these people who took this quarantine time to get ahead. Oh, I'm no. like, hey, do you know what I'm saying? <sighs> but like if I was yeah. a musician, I feel like there was de- there'd definitely be a part of me, especially when I was younger, when we were really recording all the time, where all I would be doing right now is just like sitting around the studio because I'd be so cabin fever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have to say that the reason I took this break for in between like seasons four and five is because I needed it because I was getting like I'm I the Living Tombstone was the first email I sent asking a band to be on the show yeah for like the last couple of interviews I've been getting artists coming to me coming now to me, which has got to be a nice change it's nice but it's also terrifying because it's like this scheduling is like it's scheduling people because you're. The big big thing is time with releases, yeah. so I have to juggle. Hey, I might have interviewed this person er, like earlier, but this person has a release coming out this week, and I'm, and like, do I capitalize on like the artist who needs the promotion like right now versus an artist who's not really doing anything? And it's a weird ground to be on. It's it's interesting to play around with that, and especially being a one man show. I mean, one of the guests I have, like, sitting just stockpiled, I interviewed her in the beginning of quarantine, she is going to be on a record with the gorillas. Wow. So, and i just been sitting on this fucking interview, so I saw the track listing, and I was like, well, fucking shit. I, well, I know when to time the interview out for, but it's, like, it's interesting to see that, because it's... It is a balance of, like, what information we talked about. Well, I think it's really interesting, too, because, you know, you, you sort of, you know, take it from this perspective of sort of being sort of starstruck by this. Yeah. But you're saying these bands are reaching out to you. Yeah. To, you know, to have them on your platform, right? Yeah. In a weird way, I was just talking to um, Josh from K-Rock last week. And yeah. And we were, you know, and Josh and I are in this, like, 34 to 38 year old range. Mm-hmm. And there was a certain thing growing up we always talked about, like, the radio DJ. Again, it sounds really old. <laughs> It was a gatekeeper, mm-hmm. sort of. Especially in you know in the late '90s, early 2000s, the idea of me calling a radio station and waiting for an hour to hear the song I requested. Yeah. But now, like a platform, you know, you're sort of taking that sort of step into a role as like this sort of digital gatekeeper for like yeah. bands today, and that's like you know for a person I know is such a music fan that you are, it must be sort of a surreal feeling. It and is. It, I mean, doing I've done college radio, so like having that feeling and yeah. like. Like, knowing, like, cool... Like, having that cool curation feeling was really awesome. I mean, playing songs, I... That's one thing I still kind of miss. I yeah. I always kind of miss the feeling of being the person playing the song yes. and, like, yeah. being in that moment. But it is always awesome to really, like, sit down, chat. And, like, realistically, I feel like I have, like, friendships with some of these artists that I actively talk to. There's some bands that I feel like... There's a ton of bands in L.A. If I ever went to L.A., I feel like there's three different groups of people I have to say, hey, I'm going to go hang out with. <laughs> But, um... Well, that's... You know, yeah. This is your fifth season now, right? Yeah, so we're... So, at like, this point in time, yeah. how many episodes a season are you doing? So, ten episodes a season. We're... 
episode 41 is dropping tomorrow tomorrow yeah, yeah but, well by the time people hear this it will already be out yes. but yeah uh the stifled yeah um, but yeah so it's it's weird like having it be this like this many episodes it it feels weird saying that number because we know how many podcasts start and crash and burn yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was just thinking about this today. Uh, I had a really weird incident because I uh, I bought a new computer mm-hmm. recently. That you are probably this is not it. Oh, you are you are probably you know fingers crossed the very last interview that I will do on this laptop, right? Like I'm gonna knock on wood, but not too hard so I don't. Fuck <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, because it'll break. Uh, no. This will probably be the last one I do on this thing, but mm-hmm. this is, I, I got such a laugh out of this, I guess I'll share this with you, because I'll probably forget by the time we do the show on Monday. Yeah. I, I wake up this morning, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I have to go to the casino, because there's a Thursday night football game, yeah. and at any moment in real time, you can see one of my idiot friends come blasting through the door, being like, turn the game on, we got money on <laughs> uh, But I woke up this morning, and I went to the gas station. Mm-hmm. I got a big iced coffee from Fast Track because they're a dollar. I don't know if you knew that. You can get a big I, dollar iced coffee. I did not know that. I'm still drinking coffee now. I'm not uh, being sponsored by Hashtag Fast Track yet. not sponsored. Not sponsored by Fast Track. <laughs> That's another question coming up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I went in there and I got the coffee and I got like a can of cola. And I walked over the counter and there's nobody there. And I put my card in. It doesn't work. Oh. And I look at my AT. I look at my, my app. It says I have money. I can mm-hmm. see there's money in there. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not broke. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, the card's not working. And I do it like three, four times. It's not working. It's mad embarrassing. I'm like, I'm so sorry. This never happens to me. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like this doesn't happen. This doesn't normally happen to me. Uh, and I turn around and there's like eight people in line suddenly. Oh. And I'm like, oh, God. Uh, turns out that when I purchased the new laptop a couple weeks ago, the way this sort of works is it doesn't like charge you until it, it comes up ships, yeah. right? So somewhere along the line, like this happened today and my bank or the credit card company shut the shit looked down. At it and there's like, there's no way that this broke guy <laughs> bought a computer. This guy's so poor <laughs> that we refuse to believe that he spent money on this. They, so they shut. They their- shut me down. They shut my whole shit down. Uh, I had to call them up and like have a whole thing. And you know, and I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody because they were really thorough and really cool. The people who helped me, it really yeah. didn't take that long. But I'd never thought about this. And at the very end of the conversation, the lady goes, "Okay." Has anyone or are you currently being coerced to make the statement or purchase you are about to make? And I said, oh, God, no. <laughs> I said, no. Dear Lord, I mean, what a moment. It's good that you're not in that position, but, I mean, it's a real thing probably for them. Where it's like, I, I do appreciate it. Like, yeah. I, I was definitely annoyed because I was like, wait, so anytime I make a big purchase now, you guys are just going to assume that it's fraud, right? But I was like, no, I guess that's probably, this is probably the good. That's what you want. This is what you want, right? Right. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, so that you're the, you're the so hopefully, hopefully you are the capstone project on uh, this five and a half year, twelve year. I feel so. I feel special. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so again, season five started last Friday. Yes. Uh, on the eighteenth, yeah. and you're are you doing Friday release schedule for this season? Friday because Wednesday was cool. I mean, I did it partly because the middle of the week give people something to listen to or engage with, and also some sentimentality because I did a college radio show during that. Yeah. But the production schedule is, like, a nightmare. Yeah. Because I go through and I cut out, like, the ifs, the ums, the buts, the ands, and just try to make the conversation as, like, because, like, they, like, cut out all this extra stuff that, yeah. like, really needs cutting down. Which so, I never cut down, so you'll get all of that in this like, 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 me trying to find the words, like, me, I would be like, this can't fucking happen. <laughs> um, so... That takes about double the time. So I'm spending, like, if it's an hour-long episode, it takes two hours. 
And it was a nightmare because I would be doing interviews and I would have realistically two days if I don't work on the weekends to get the episode out. But now with Friday being the big day, I start on Monday and I do like a little bit every single day and it feels way more relaxed. Well, you know, I, I always sort of, I sort of envy you sometimes <laughs> with your show because, you know, in the last, you know, especially now in quarantine time, but over the last couple of years, you know, we attempt to cover local politics, local yeah. news, whatever, but like, it's so depressing yeah. to cover news stuff over the last few weeks, right? And I wish that we could do... This is why I've gotten into the sports game. Like, yeah. Because Justin and I are so depressed. You mean like unescaped, yeah. It's, it's like anything that I can think of, right? And and I don't like to bring the show down about it, but I'm also stuck in, you know, and I, I don't... You probably could speak to this more than I could. You know, I feel like we were in a time where it's not just sort of enough to be like, yeah, I'm an ally and I support people. Yeah. I have this platform where I feel like I need to talk about injustices I see. But I'm also not stupid i'm like okay i'm a 35 year old like fat white dude right <laughs> like people are gonna look at me and be like well, what the what do you know about like yeah. suffering or like anything you've gone to and i find like it's a weird middle ground i'm like well i feel like i do have to say this though like, i have yeah. to cover the story like we're gonna have to talk about brianna taylor on <laughs> on monday when we get to the show like, i don't have a choice it's yeah. not like a political thing it's the news right? yeah, yeah. And it's it's what's happening yeah and that's like the thing like even on the show like there's been especially when we were talking about like george floyd like the the first like round of it there's legitimately i had like two interviews scheduled yeah. like the day after he died and i emailed them and i was like i can't do it yeah. i just was like like we gotta push it back for another day and for that like that whole half of that season we were I feel like a good third of it basically became a, a, a giant therapy session. Yeah. Because we, we talk about just how we were doing, how we were, we were feeling, and just really putting it out in the open because it, those are like a lot of like just complicated, hard emotions, especially now. I mean, I mean next like the next two months are going to be a fucking shit show. I mean, to, not to bring it too down in here, but yeah. you know, uh, Saturday, but again, this will already have happened by the time people hear this. We talked about it last week. I'm yeah. going to a memorial for a longtime friend of mine who yeah. passed away early this week, Matt Wilkinson. People have been all over Facebook about yeah. it. You know, I've told this story already, but, you know, I, I grew up as a musician, a punk rocker, and playing in... He was the guy in the first local band that I idolized. Like, yeah. there was this band called Not Hiring Losers, and we've done a whole bit. You can go back to the story of the Blueprint uh, episode 250, yeah. and the very first song that we play on there is a song from that band. Yeah. And, and, you know, Matt was the first guy, and everyone has this, like, that's the best musician I know. He's not. To, like, to, <laughs> but, when, when, but when I was... Being like, like, this person's, like, fucking awesome. Yeah, but when we were 15, like, he was the best guitar player I knew, and he was the first best guitar player I knew. Like, of yeah. all my guys who were writing songs, like, that guy can play. He's the real deal, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and, you know, but again, I grew up in this scene culture, and not to get too morbid, but suicidal ideation was pretty common. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you saw a lot of cutting, you saw a lot of, like, real depressed sort of behavior, and it was, I look back at songs I wrote back then, like, what was I so sad about, right? But, oh, no, yeah. Like, I, there's songs I wrote written I just have command z and, I mean, we're gonna get into it when we talk about my song. <laughs> there's one song that, like, I think that's very happy, but when I first listened to it, it was not happy. <laughs> it was not happy. Were you an Elliot Smith guy at any point in your life? Uh, no. 
Elliot Smith was one of those things that, you know, I was in that emo, my hair was real long, yeah. I was in the Beatles, and that's music that I listen to today, and I go, wow, this is really beautiful music, but dear God, like, I was, I don't think I could be this sad anymore. Like, I don't yeah. know if there's, like, a sadness in me that exists that this is, that calls out for this anymore. Yeah. Right? Uh, but I, you know, especially now in quarantine time, like, mental health is something that is... Important. Super important, especially when we're just sitting around like the like our caves. <laughs> yeah, and there's a weird feeling of just life paused for yeah. like six months, and realistically, we'll pause for six more months. And the reckoning that takes to really, what does that mean for people individually, but the world as a whole is wow. Like artists, I mean, talking about music. I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, 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 no. You're totally. Oh, please. Uh, but talking about like even music, there's multiple artists have held off on big releases. There's been rumors about a ton of people who who had things and were ready to go and then COVID came and everyone just kind of disappeared. And yeah. Well again here and it's a great point because no we're we're in unprecedented historical times. I hate saying this every week, but it's like we don't know I'm a history teacher at yeah. heart, right? We don't know in the future how we're going to look back at this moment. I don't know in 10 years how I'm going to be talking to my kids in school about, like, how we dealt with this moment. Yeah. Is it going to be a conversation about, like, how many people died? Is it going to be a conversation about how Trump packed the Supreme Court? Is it going to be a conversation about, like, Joe Biden? Is I don't know. And no one knows because we're... We are desperate for a conclusion that we're not close to. Right? Yeah. We're so far away. From... The, the scariest thing I read was an article that was just... Someone literally sat down and was like, okay, what are the possible scenarios mm-hmm. that's going to happen during the November election? And literally they said, if it's not a landslide victory, it's going to be absolute yeah. chaos. And they did, yes. and they had like a team that did simulations were like okay like have trump do this have biden do this and then every single scenario there was a certain point where they just stopped and were like we don't know what's going to happen next there's no legitimate answer for what happens next i saw somebody who wrote on twitter and it was a joke obviously but they were like uh this is the darkest timeline and it started when al gore lost to george bush and like this this yeah. dark timeline the the sliding doors moment for this darkest timeline began then I'm such a nerd that I would go even farther back. I'd go to, like, the Iran-Contra crisis. Look it up, kids. It's a real thing. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I do... I, it's kind of scary. We'll get off politics after yeah. this, but I, I just read this, and I'm sure we might talk about it on Monday. You know, with Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away, you know, there's yeah. been talking about the different... You know, you'd need four Republican senators to uh, to essentially switch sides on this. Yeah. And I forget who it was. It was Rand Paul or... I, I don't I have to look, but the... The quote was essentially is like it's not a given that we live in an America with a liberal Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and just because we've had one for so long, for so long, and I was just like, God, that is horrifying to yeah. me personally, right? Because I, it doesn't speak to me like I'm not I'm not a liberal more than any other reason that I don't feel like I have the right to judge other people on what they do, yeah, right? Like that's really as simple like, as it comes down to. Are you not to. hurting people? Are you not hurting yeah. like a great the greater? situation around you then good like well the abortion thing's the one that gets me it's like look people have this impression if you're like pro-choice 
that you're like you're pro-abortion like that's a thing it's like there's no yeah. such thing as a person who's like pro-abortion like, like I'm gonna murder. get me an abortion yeah, I, I, I wanna kill I wanna kill no, no it's, like, it's like like putting a woman's life and their or people with vaginas lives and their choices and their decisions above a child that is not in the world yet and it is a traumatic experience to go through like I know yeah. family and friends and people I've been close to who've dealt with situations around this or with people who've gone through this situation and it is not some like oh well just Stop gotta down. do it. Gotta go do That's, it, and then I'll get a coffee yeah. afterwards. Like it's no, it's a traumatic, trying moment. Or, yeah. And what you have to go through in that process is very jarring and very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, again, we're talking about mental health here suddenly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, but it, but I, you know, I do think it's important. You know, I'm sure the podcast for you, and at least for me personally, yeah. has sort of helped me keep a little bit of stability it becomes like an anchor to sort of yeah. cling me back to the reality that we exist in right like it gives you something to do besides it, just the work and it's it's a fun at the end of the day this is something we didn't if we don't want to do this like your show or my show we always have the opportunity to stop it's not like we're being forced to have a gunpoint but it's something that we're doing this because we want to and we like this and we it gives us an outlet and it's cool uh, so let's uh, let's get into uh, the game here, okay. uh, the musical algorithm game. And again, folks, you can follow Malik uh, on Twitter at ata underscore pod. Their yep. new season started last week on the eighteenth, uh, and there are two episodes out by the time you folks will hear this. That is correct. Uh, so the idea for this sort of discussion and playlist, which we will share with everybody. Yep. Um, Kevin's going to put his list on here too. He's not here for the interview. We're going to do his songs in the next segment when we get back from the interview so people will hear his songs as well but his input yeah uh which is tough for me and him because we had to play a game of chicken about who's got which bands right Uh, like i so like he's i was like he's like like, can you have radiohead you can have Radiohead. it it was it was i'm not gonna lie like i sent you like an initial place when you just for context for people so you tell me hey let's like this is the idea so i make a real quick playlist 30 minutes before yeah. I come on, I basically revamp the entire thing. <laughs> Two of the songs are still on there, but the yeah. whole back half is completely readjusted. Uh, well, so the way I sort of had this in mind is mm-hmm. my initial list uh, is six songs, and I sort of broke... <laughs> and I start playing them on the Copyright. Uh, copyright infringement. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I sort of placed that in my head in groups of two, mm-hmm. right? So for me, uh, and again, it's not a spoiler alert because we're going to talk about them. My first oh, yeah. two bands were Pink Floyd and Sublime that I'll be talking about and their yeah. two songs. Um, but again, the idea here is to sort of discuss the music that has shifted your taste in music mm-hmm. over your lifetime, right? And for each of these six bands that I'll go through with a song, I had just a short little like quote about what it is about this particular band that I held so important in yeah. my life. And I guess that's probably the way we'll start here. Yeah. Is there any bands, and I have a couple real quick ones, Is there that I wanted to get out beforehand, any honorable mentions, bands you were tempted to put on mm. that you had to pull away from? So, My Concormance was one. My Concormance mm-hmm. was one. I was yeah. sort of surprised, i got to be honest, that there wasn't a My Chemical Romance It was on there. there. It, it got pushed out. <laughs> yeah. it, it got squeaked out. Um, so, My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, I would say Neon Trees would be another mm-hmm. band that like just made it there was an artist named younger who's mm-hmm. really cool he's a producer that he i don't i think i've mentioned him before but yeah it sounds familiar but yeah for people who haven't heard of him he has a just a giant setup where he has like mm-hmm. drum kit keyboard bass and he's like a master just like looping his live show is literally him around a ton of things and playing songs 
live while triggering things and playing. It's mm. awesome. I listened to him like wild during um, college. Um, Mute Math was another one. Mm-hmm. That's a band who I feel like I hear the name of, and it's like a lot of people I know reference this band, but yeah. I, I sort of like on the fringe of my particular like knowledge, I guess. They're like in the in between spot where I had a record that in high school that I played a ton. I love their stuff. the The lead singer Paul Meany actually, weird nerdy fact, produced the last Twenty One Pilots record. Mm-hmm. So the band's broken up now, but. Huh. So Mute Math's done, but they're all doing separate things. Yeah. Um, the drummer, Darren King, is doing like working on a record with like collaborators, and Paul Meany's just getting the money producing other things. <laughs> There's that. Um, I gotta stop because I can't. No, I'll, 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 uh, I'll hit you with a couple of them, and then uh, we can get into our list, and we'll start from there. Uh, cool. These are a couple of the artists that did not make my list, although they very easily could have. The first <laughs> one uh, is Bob Marley. Ooh. And the reason Bob Marley's not going to make the list, uh, I'll get into... It's just, it falls way too close under the Sublime category when I get to that discussion. That ballpark, yeah. Uh, and not for the sound of the music, particularly for the where it hit me in my life. Mm. Uh, Hank Williams. The original Hank Williams. <laughs> this was like music that my grandfather would listen to in the car. I do not care for country music as in, uh, just in general, not my thing. Yeah. But original Hank Williams music on those old recordings is very strange and weird and kind of it, it's interesting. I don't love it. Yeah. But it was certainly it was certainly important to it's me. Formative, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is a tough one. I have no hip hop on my list. I could sit here and probably make an entire separate separate list about hip hop. I went to you know particularly the impact that like. 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying, oh my or, uh, you know, those first couple, like, you know, uh, Heart of the City, Blueprint 1, Jay-Z yeah. albums. Super important, 2003, 2004, when I'm in high school. I felt like I'd be short-shifting hip-hop if we just if I just did one <laughs> song yeah. on it. Um, so I could do a separate list for this. Blinkin' Radiohead, you'll hear later from Kevin. I don't have to have that conversation. It'll come up. Brand New was a tough one. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, I mean, we've talked about Brand New the very first time you were on the show. Yeah. This is probably the main example of a band who got cancel cultured for me, like a band that was super important, and I, I would be lying if I didn't talk about how important they were in a certain point in time for me. Yeah, it's it's a weird spot where there's a lot of a lot of bands are doing it. like yeah. You look, and every moment there is a like some shit is happening with another band. Yeah. Like Billy Joel's kid got. <laughs> He's in the band, was it? It's the Swimmers. Um, really? Yeah. So he was in a relationship with the lead singer of a band called The Regrets. Mm. And they had a relationship, and I believe she was nah. underage. Nah. And we're just going to... If you want to look it up, look it up. But the ability... Yeah. yeah. This was a tough one. This was a hard one for me to lose. Right? We've yeah. talked over the years about people that, you know, you bands are musicians and people you lose. Like, I was talking about... Louis C.K. was a tough one. This yeah. was a this was a tough one for me in terms of a band that you know sort of had to fall off. And last but not least, um, the Beatles and Steely Dan. I'll talk about the Beatles in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steely Dan. There's like a big joke on the internet last couple of weeks about Steely Dan. Oh yeah, Dan. I, 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 I didn't read anything about that. What, what was it? Was just like that. No, only like only like old white dudes like Steely Dan, and then it was just people on Twitter old white dudes being like, actually, oh, we do uh, like Steely Dan. And it's like, yeah. It's well, a, well, that was the point of the tweet. <laughs> that was the point of the tweet, guys. Uh, but um, I think more along the lines of what I'll get to the end of the conversation ties into Steely Dan more than the actual band Steely Dan. So I'll ignore yeah. that. 
Uh, so let's get into it. We've already gone half an hour, so let's get into our let's list. Let's do this. Um, uh, so let's, if you want to start with maybe your first song, your first two songs, we'll go from there. Cool. So I'll start. It was hard to try and figure out what range I really want to figure this out in. Mm-hmm. So I, I just kind of went from like middle school, high school era. And that's in that range. Does that feel like where that's... That's where that's, fandom and like music became the most important for you. Yeah, that's where it kind yeah. of starts. And um, realistically, I was really close to picking Panic, but these two mm. songs, like, these two are shield, felt a little bit more kind of emotionally resonant. A band called We Are Scientists mm-hmm. picked their song After Hours and Ghosts by Mystery Skulls. What's really interesting to me about this one, uh, Mystery Skulls, I, I had to look up afterwards. Yeah. After Hours by We Are Scientists uh, is the first song that you had on this list that I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> that's the one. That's like the crossover song that we're going to get here. There we go. I think there's like a generational crossover there. I, I don't know if it was that song was in like a movie. Nick and Nora's Infinite, Nick playlist. And Nora's Infinite playlist. Yeah. And you could tell. Like, <laughs> you, it just immediately. Like a fucking beam. So I'm like realistically like 11, 12, 13 yeah. when the song comes out. And this song's about like last call. So realistically, there's no good reason for me to be like one final fight. There's no reason for me to be like resonating to the song. But like whenever I remember like going home on the subway and like listening to pirated music on my fucking iPod, like this is a song that like for the most part like reminds me most of home. I don't know why, but it just reminds me of it. Well, you know, it's funny, too, and music has this really interesting power, and I listen to, like, there's gonna, there's a song we'll get to in this list later by, uh, by Stephen Malcolm of Pavement, and I can't tell you what it is about the song that I listen to. I think about, I always call it as chest feel. Yeah. Sometimes you, you, you hear a song and you don't hear it in your ears, you feel it in your chest. And there are certain things, I mean, like, there's a, uh, I mean, just you, Rivers Cuomo would call that heart songs, I suppose, (laughs) right? But, um, but that's what I feel like, and this particular, uh, We Are Scientists song, does that there's something about this song that i sort of feel in the chest cavity it's got a warmth to it it's yeah. really nice and like i mean like looking at it older now and like hearing and like i remember reading about like what the song meant to the band and having that feeling of like when you see people after you you haven't seen them in a while and when you hang out with them there's like always a rush and a feeling that like someone has to go back to work or someone has to go after trips and it's like making every moment of like seeing people mm-hmm. count and it's like changed like a lot in terms of like that being an emotional resonance that's on had with me. And what about this Mystery Skulls song? Because I didn't know too much about Mystery Skulls before I sort of did a little research after here with you. So, so Ghost was I found Mystery Skulls on Tumblr. Mm-hmm. So this is the Tumblr band. I love t- it. Yeah, Tumblr. So my so friend, internet era. We're talking yeah. here. Yeah. So my friend Sarah shared a demo from a song called Dream, and I just fell in the train and loved them. But Ghost. Around that time, I mean, I wasn't really in the best emotional state. I was really yeah. depressed. And the song, when I was in that point, meant something very different than it does to me now. Yeah. I mean, the song, the hook of the song is, this time I might just disappear. I felt like I was kind of like a ghost or like something. Like, I didn't really feel like I fit in with my friends or like where I was at. And I felt like just something was... It's that weird feeling of just kind of like... You feel like you're just drifting while everything's going on. It's easy to feel. Oh well, you know, I you feel like a passenger in your own life. Yes. Is the way I've always think about that. This sort of idea that, you know, it seems like a music video in its own way. Like you <laughs> sort of staying stoic as you're pulled through the world yeah. around you, right? And you know, and uh, I guess I'll I guess I'll jump in here because there's part of that that sort of ties into you know what I mean yeah, like uh, you know I was a you know child of divorce right. Mm-hmm. 
at eight, my parents were divorced. My sisters had moved out. I was sort of living in this big house with me and my mom by myself. Yeah. And, you know, music was sort of a nice release for me in terms of just being like having something for my own. Now, I mentioned the Beatles earlier. My stepdad, when I was about 11 or 12, really yeah. started pumping the Beatles in the house, right? The way that a lot of parents do. I have no qualms with the Beatles. I think they're an amazing band. But the Beatles always felt... Like, for me, as I get older, like, the Beatles were forced upon me. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, whereas the song that I chose, my first song, uh, Fearless, is the song. It's by Pink Floyd off their album, Metal. Pink Floyd felt like the band, the first band that I found that I was like, oh, I didn't need someone to, to, force. to force this on me. Like, you listen to the White Album, listen to Revolver, yeah. right? Like, Pink Floyd, I was like, oh. Oh, what's this, right? Like, um, and to this day, I stand behind the take. I like Pink Floyd better than the Beatles. <laughs> like, I just do. I'm, uh, I find their, yeah. I find their music more interesting as a, as I get older as a musician because it's so weird. I can see. That. I'm not gonna sit here and be like the Beatles weren't formulative to pop music. Like, I'd be yeah. stupid to deny that. That you know what I mean? But yeah. But for me personally, I would take a Pink Floyd song over a Beatles song almost. Ten times out of ten. I can see that, yeah. And the other one is uh, Sublime's uh, song Garden Grove, mm-hmm. which I mentioned Bob Marley earlier. As a kid growing up, my older sister lived across the hall from me, mm-hmm. and she would listen to two records constantly over and over <laughs> again growing up. She's about ten years older than me. Bob Marley's Legend mm-hmm. and the self-titled Sublime album. And those were the first time that I looked at like an older person and said, oh, this is something they listen to, and that's cool because they're older than me, right? So, like, so that the was, older than you is the thing that, like, kind of... It just... felt like I was being pulled into something more larger than me, right? Yeah. Like, this thing that some, someone else already liked. Again, as a little kid, I didn't know any better. You, know, you come back around years later, like, why do I know all these Bob Marley songs? <laughs> like, I just yeah. know all of them for whatever reason. It's like it's in like, just the back of your head for no yeah. reason. And that's, I guess that's where I'll take my stop. My, so that's my first two was uh, Garden Grove by Sublime and Fearless by Pink Floyd. Yeah. Yeah, you want to move on to your next two? I will, but before I want to make sure I make a uh, like a quick passing comment about this before I move on. Oh yeah. So while I had like it was just a very negative song for me in the beginning, I remember the first time I talked to Lewis and like hearing him talk about oh, the song. Yeah. It like it was way more positive for him. He was like, "Listen, like when you know when you're going through life and shit's just not working, he and he's doing a speech. He's like, you can just fucking move." Like start, you can start your life. Oh, like it, it for him. The song's about like, like, yeah. she, like he literally would be like, you know, when you're at something and shit's just not working, mm. like start your life over. So like, and I mean, I moved from New York to really mm. moved from the city to really find out who I was and define myself. All of that, but so like the song's way more positive and way more happy. I just yeah. want to put that out of the way before someone's like, wait, the song's really sad. Well, no, I think too though, like that's um. That's also a genre thing. Like, we have a... I, you know, personally, I've listened to the music that you've sent me before in the past, and, you know, even the stuff that I listen to, which, especially on this particular list, is very mainstream, yeah. there is... I like sad yeah. music in a weird way. There's a... It's like a strange beauty to, like, sad music in a way. That yeah. I, it's hard to describe. Like, my mom would order stuff, and I'd write, like, sad songs when I was a kid. She's like, you always sound so sad. I'm like, no, just... Let's just sling it out. This is what it is. Yeah. Through it. But, so, next two songs, I have... All Over by a band called Cruiser, mm-hmm. and Shelter by a band, Porter, oh, artist named Porter Robinson and Maddion. Cheating, mm-hmm. but it's more for Porter Robinson. Yeah. So for Cruiser, this is around college. Cruiser's one of those bands where I remember finding them and just, like, 
something I found by myself. It, was, it wasn't really something yeah. I... And there was a ton of artists before them, but so a band that I was looking around to try and find new music. I mm. found them. I got a chance to really say, like, this is really cool. I like the song a lot. Champion it. And really get to play that. It's So it was cool to have that feeling of, like... It's a weird feeling of ownership. I, don't, I hate saying that, but that level mm. of pride of when you're like, I found this before anyone else did. Where'd you go to college again? Uh, you did college. You went to UC. Yeah. Did you live on campus? Yes. So it's a really interesting point to me because I never... I have a master's degree. Yeah. And I've never lived on campus. Never? Anywhere. I did... I lived in my apartment when I went to UC, to uh, MVCC. Mm-hmm. I lived in a different apartment when I was in New York <laughs> because it was way expensive to have a dorm in, in Manhattan. Oh, no, yeah. And then when I came back here, I lived in this apartment. So I've never experienced dorm <laughs> life. Yeah. And the idea... And I wonder, like, how much of this music was sort of affected by being in that atmosphere by people around you yeah. like in this era like you know, in that scene it's probably just people doing whatever they want all the time having fun yeah. you're probably getting a lot more input about music and stuff you never knew about there's that the what really happened is it was the opposite really? I was the person who was always <laughs> I was the fucking nerd that was like hey this is a really cool song so I like like listen there is a point in time where it, being a college radio DJ wasn't a thing. It was a, a job. It was a personality trait. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was the, the person who was always like, hey, this is something I found off of, like, Hype Machine, mm. or I went on a YouTube hole and I found this. So I just couldn't shut up about brand bands. Mm. This was probably one of those bands where when I heard the song, it's, like, a really kind of indie, just, like, mm-hmm. very kind of brighter guitars and, like, hooky super hooky the video is just like two heads yeah and it, it cycles through couples and duos from like classic films so it'd be like i don't know how, it's hard to describe unless you see the video but it's like a really cool concept behind it did you get to a point ever where like when was the point for you when genre stopped mattering like a, like because i remember at like 15 14 like if it wasn't like uh, i'm gonna get to my next band which is green day uh, yeah with uh you know, for years, I remember telling my stepdad, like, I don't want to listen to the Beatles, I want to listen to Green Day. Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to hear this, right? But somewhere along the line, like, the idea that it, the Beatles weren't a punk band didn't, didn't care didn't, anymore, yeah. right? Like, it, was there a point somewhere where you were like, I just like the music I like, as opposed to, like, finding genres? It was, I've always kind of had that just based on where I've been, but way more in college. Yeah. Like, like really experiencing and hearing other mm-hmm. genres. I mean, I'm a huge fan of electronic music now, and I mean... Yeah. Porter Robinson um, and Natty on their producers and like they break electronic music. Um, this song Shelter is a really weird one for me because it's such an emotional, it's like a really emotionally charged song for yeah. me. Because the whole song's about just kind of the feeling of, like the whole hook is, um, it's a long way forward, so mm-hmm. trust in me, I'll give them shelter like you've done for me, mm-hmm. and I know I'm not mm-hmm. alone. You'll be watching over us until you're gone. And I found the song after I was about to finish college. So like those those lines, like yeah. I was like, fuck. And like it, it, like whenever I think about the radio station, it has that weird feeling of like it's something that's been around for years. Mm. It's something that like there's that cool thing of being a part of something that is past that eventually outgrows you and it like, continues to go on. Mm. And being part of it for even such a little bit of time is like emotion resonant. And mm. Porter Robinson's like. We like he has a really cool thing for like having songs that like yeah. um pull at you emotionally. Mm. Like his new albums, all like he went through like a lot of shit when he was these past few years, 
in all those songs are about like the feeling of getting over like huge emotional trauma and stress. Yeah. Not relevant <laughs> at all. And 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 coming out of the other side of it. And like this song, just like I don't know how, it just encapsulates the feeling of just knowing you have to let something go, but having like nostalgia for it while it's still going on. Yeah. I mean, and that's the big you know, uh, we're never nostalgic for the things that are happening as they're happening, right? That's like yeah. life lessons for you. Yeah. Uh, let me, I'll, I'll hit my next two real quick. We talked it. a bit about Green Day. Uh, I wanted to get some punk rock in here. It was, it'd be a lie for me to say that, like, this era of punk rock music, and I know that Green Day is a bit of a... Dad rock now? I don't know what you would call Green Day now, because I honestly have not realistically listened to any full Green Day album since American Jesus. I have like, two questions. Yeah. Have you seen, did you see that awkward uh, billboard ad they had for um, their new album? No, no. Oh. You know, I was... You in, keep talking, I'm going to try and see if I can look I was in on every Green Day album that came out up until American Jesus, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I owned Warning. How many people owned the album Warning when they decided... <laughs> They decided they weren't even going to do punk rock anymore. They were going to make a college rock album, and I was in on it. Um, you were just like, done. After American Jesus, I was like, this is fine. This is really good. It's really creative. Yeah. I if I I don't need any more of this ever again. Like, I'm I'm totally fine. Totally cool. I'm glad they did this. It's maybe their best album they've made in 10 years, 20 years. But they got it out. But we're done. Like, yeah. everything after that has been no good, right? But that all that being said... Nimrod by Green Day, which is their third album. Yeah. One of the first albums I've ever purchased with my own money. Like, I, it was uh, important to me. Yeah. Green Day's Doogie and Blink-182's Dude Ranch, which, again, Capital hit the Blink stuff on this yeah, list. He'll, yeah, he'll, he'll do that. that yeah. uh, this was my first exposure to the scene that I think would be the most important, that sort of yeah. pop-punk scene. Uh, so you're going out of Sublime, out of Pink Floyd, into Green Day. And this sort of transitioned all the way until middle school and high school when I got into musical theater, and that's where I'll do my my fourth one here, yeah. which is Ben Folds 5. No. Uh, ben Folds 5, uh, musical theater guy. Well, hold on, before no, you, oh, is this the Green Day this poster? Is the, this is for the new album. No features, no Swedish songwriters, no trap beats, 100% pure, uncut rock. Ugh. God, he gives me cringe Everyone vibes. just oh, Everyone God. just made fun of and called them boomers. But Ben Folds. They are, too. Well, to be fair... I used to work in New York, and I would get off the subway and work to the restaurant in Times Square. Yeah. And I had to walk underneath the theater where they were doing the musical stage oh version gosh. of uh, whatever the, the play was uh, called. American, uh, American Jesus. Yeah. Just like, I was like, man, this you can tell. It's so weird to me that this band I grew up listening to, like the band that wrote Dookie. Yeah. I'm walking under a billboard in New York City for their Broadway show, which I could go see for $150. What band would be just as weird as that? Like, what would be a band that you'd, like... Like I can't imagine like, mm. like what band would just be able. I mean, it seems on brand, but like, you know, I talk about Radiohead all the time. Kevin's gonna talk about Radiohead. Oh yeah. If they decided they were gonna make a Radiohead stage play, I don't know what the hell it would be. When I was a kid, I wanted to write. I was really big in musical theater. I wanted to write a play about like. This is so embarrassing. No, go for. I mean, uh, it's so embarrassing. I wanted to write a play about like. The point of the play would be like the band struggling to like get famous, yeah. like that would be the musical show. And I wanted it to just be the music of the band Semisonic. Like I just wanted to hire Semisonic. <laughs> like I wanted to hire Semisonic. Well, okay, then what's closing the la- time? What, yeah. That's gonna be last song. No, that's the first song. It's the first. It's the first. and the last song. Oh, right? the reprise because it's the song that he's playing in the bar where he works. Yeah, oh, before he gets onto his 
I gotta get, I gotta make it they're, famous, they're, and then at the very end of the song, once they've made it famous with this song, boom, reprise. There you go. Again, musical theater nerd. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, but Ben Folds Up Five was also ironically the first band that I started getting into because a girl showed it to me and I had a crush on her, and I was like, <laughs> I need to know more about this band so that I can talk about it with this particular girl. There Thanks, Sarah. Go. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah, we appreciate your work. We appreciate your work. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and. I have two more, but I'll let you finish your last two here before we close up here. So, I would say I picked two. Well, I closed mine. So that was I can one. pull it up if you want. I have it pulled up over Dish. here, but my phone's not recognizing my face as we do some poor technology work. Boom. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're, we're killing. <laughs> so, I have two. So, um, Fever Dolls, and I picked the song Jennifer Flowers, mm-hmm. and Patternist, I Don't Feel Real. I was going to ask you about that, because the album cover on that Patternist thing yeah. is some record label, and I've definitely... <laughs> Got a record that has this album cover on it. I'm, like, trying, to f- I'm trying to figure out what record label it is. I'm but. trying to see what record label these guys, um, what the band's from. So they're In Vogue Records. In, yeah, I definitely have at least one album floating around that has this exact same, same layout. Style. Yeah, yeah. So with uh, Fever Dolls, these are more like now. Um, yeah. Jennifer Flowers, I remember the first time I listened to this song. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've talked about it on the podcast, and I've talked about it a few other times. It's one of those songs that, like, it pulls you in. Yeah, I can recite the intro hook from the <laughs> beginning, but I don't. I don't want to because I feel like it, I was just about to. But it's like one of those songs where like it draws you in. Like the lines like Adam said to Lilith, "Girl, the bricks return. The mission is what he ordered. Or your body to burn." Lilith said to Adam, "I'll save you the trip." And then she jumped into the fire like it didn't exist, singing songs of seven sisters while skin off your lips. I'd rather die than um, compromise a single sin I've committed. That's how the song. Mm starts so wait like a hook that like with something that it feels like a story well this is a good point to ask and I wonder for you you know this is something I've argued I I was a songwriter lyrics so for me I would always write the lyrics last and it was sort of the least important part to me but I always was told by people who had listened to the music they liked the lyrics so I wonder for you when you listen to a song are you one of the people who falls more in line with I want the lyrics to speak to me or are you more in, like, I want the vibes to speak with me? It's a little bit both. It depends. But for if the lyrics are really strong and they yeah. connect, they really connect. I'm, I feel like I'm more, more of a lyric guy. See, I think I'm more of a vibe guy because yeah. I really like Tame Impala. And if you listen to, like, Tame Impala's lyrics, you're like, what the fuck is this guy Less talking? The... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's just like... I was like, the vibes are great. Yeah. I wish I knew less of what he was saying because it, it ruins it for Wait, me. If I had to describe like Tame Impala's sound, there's a new show I've been a show I've been watching called Off the Air. <laughs> so you know it. Yeah. I, I don't know how I found it. I've been binging the whole fucking show. It's just drug trip. It's like it's a it's a fucking eleven minute. It's like Adult Swim bumpers in a TV show, and I've been addicted yeah. to it. This is on Adult Swim, right? It's yes. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm, okay. I I'm sorry. I like went no. the detour, but that's the best way to describe it. Um, so that's what like when it comes to Fever Dolls, it's yeah. a really I love the vibe. The band's really cool. It kind of has like a folky, mm. cool vibe there. Fun fact: they're one of the bands I. When I first started the podcast, one of the first bands I reached out to. Yeah. They ever responded back? Yes. We're, we've been in a ping pong back and forth. <laughs> Scheduling has just never lined up. Yeah. But, like, I emailed them, like, a week or two ago, and we're just trying to figure it out. Nice. I've been trying, like, so I've been trying to talk to this band for about a fucking year. Yeah. And I still like them, which is a good sign. Um, Paradise, I have on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a similar feeling. Oh, God. No, what sort of vibes are they in terms of music? Uh, I'm really cute. Fever Dolls? Yeah. No, no. Um, Past. Past. Yeah. Um, it's kind of. Hmm. 
I would say it's like a little bit more. It's like more electro vibes. Not more? super electro. They're yeah. more kind of like it's like kind of like indie rock yeah. vibes. Yeah. Okay. It's like. It's like English major indie rock vibes. Interesting. Eng- like, okay. like they they kind of feel like short stories. <laughs> I mean, like I love games, so I'm like really cool. But so I don't want to seem like I'm roasting them. But yeah, it's like it seems like an English writer, an English yeah. writer wrote these lyrics. <laughs> um, it ha- and he's a producer. It has like a nice. It plays around with like electronic elements, but it's more of a kind of like conventional kind of like more yeah. of an indie rock song. Mm-hmm. I would say it lines a little bit more with like the nineteen seventy five, yeah, yeah, like a more conventional like rock band, mm-hmm. but and I love the elements of it. It's just it's in that vein, and it's a cool thing. It's just something where it just reminds me of the stuff I listen to, like even in college. Mm-hmm. It's something that like it keeps in touch with like that cool. What's sort of the thing? What's the overlying? sort of thing you think it's sort of hung along the way is it melody is it lyrics is with it the like, song in particular just in general like with all general? the songs that are on here like which what do you think probably what vibe do you think as you get older has sort of stuck with you from the beginning to the end right um was it there's a tiktok um full circle yeah. that i saw where it was a, a kid a person sitting down where it's like me when i was like a teenager and it was them listening to uh sweather weather yeah uh, and it was it's just like me when i was 13 and then just like sitting down crying, and then it's like a dance remix of Sutter Brother dancing, just like me now, but me now, um, me sad, but just still vibing. And that's kind of the summary. It's just like, I'm, it's still there, but I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm dancing. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'll hit my last two real quick, real, real fast. Uh, the first one is Us by Stephen Malcolmus. Stephen Malcolmus okay. is the lead singer and guitar player of the band Pavement. Uh, this was sort of in his solo career. Uh, and really what this more represents to me was college my transition to what i would refer to as subway music or cinematic music okay i really got into a vibe where i liked songs that i could put on in my headphones and just see the subway and walk the subway walk around and i was like this is all very set of yeah and that sort of leads into the next thing which is lcd sound system the song i can change because lcd sound system feels like a modernized more realized version of something like Steely Dan. Yeah. I am a talented guy with a couple talented groups, couple dudes. I'm going to reach out to people to come in and do stuff with me. But, like, for the most part, like, that that LCD sound system, current sound, sort of represents everything from all my genres of music. It's got some punk hangover to it. Yeah. It's got some shoegaze, some weird disco. It's got some, like, like hip-hop elements. It's all like, in there, and it's just, like, like filtered through this man who's just kind of like so what yeah, yeah. <laughs> like james murphy's just kind of like what the fuck are you gonna like he's not like a dick but he's just kind he's of a like weird guy though like it's just like he's the guy who runs a record label one of my favorite bands of all time i watched the documentary a couple weeks ago it was on tubi and i'm like god he's so pretentious he's the most pretentious uh, dude in the world so Fun fact, there's another band I really, really dig called um, Death From Above, 1975. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that whole dispute that happened mm-hmm. there, I watched the whole documentary about that. It's So, I mean... That DFA Records era, like, that's another weird... You know, I had one last question for you before I let you go, because I want to do one lightning round question with yeah. you before we left, and it was, is there a particular musical subgenre that's come and gone in your life that you really enjoyed that is no longer with us? <laughs> I have an immediate answer. <laughs> um... Okay, we see. I'm, I'm gonna say this out loud. Electro swing. Electro swing is that a thing? Um, yes, I electro- didn't even know that's a thing. So take like <laughs> old, like swing music, just like Caravan Palace. Like I got, I'll play a little yeah, bit yeah. for you a little bit later. 
it so it's just take swing elements, but like remixing, chopping, like it's, yeah, it's oh, just man, just take electronic, and they and they, and they lean into like the like the the swinging aesthetic a lot, yeah. but it just like imagine like it on a fucking turntable <laughs> and a fucking like synthesizer, oh. and you get like electro swing. <laughs> I was just watching. I was just reading a list. It was like the hundred greatest guitar solos of all time, and one of them was on there. It was like number ninety. It was like some Brian Setzer orchestra song, and I was like, I forgot that this was a thing we were into. It's like, it like we, we all agreed as a country for a year. You know what? We're okay with like this rockabilly bullshit. <laughs> uh, for me, it was a certain subgenre from the mid two thousands. It's I I still love it, but it died out real quick. It was called. Chill wave. Essentially, oh, it was. Yeah. Essentially, it was the band washed out. Go listen to the okay. band washed out. You know the, the theme song from Portland. Portlandia. Portlandia. There, yeah. yeah. That was a scene that I was like, "This is going to change the world." And I'm like, "No, it changed Brooklyn for like half a summer." And then like after every, every every single hipster in Brooklyn was riding roller skates, just like it. Same, same thing with Tame Impala. Just kind of like the. I love Tame Impala. Yeah. Everyone should go on Twitter and look up the GIF. Or it's like a little meme. A little of, No, there's one with the three members of Friends. The three male guys in Friends. <laughs> and it's an episode of Friends where the monkey is putting uh, Lion Sleeps Tonight in this record player over and over yeah. again. And it's like, Marcel, don't put that record on. And they put it on and they all start dancing. <laughs> Somebody put in the Tame Impala song in that place. Uh. And they were like, every hipster at every party. It's like, don't play that. Do 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 boom boom. You know, dancing. It's like, all right, yeah, it's amazing. Go look at us on Twitter. Uh, and also, while you're out there, uh, go to Spotify, go to all our platforms, and follow Malik Gale of Against the Algorithm Pod. We are two episodes into season five. By the time you hear this, forty. Two, forty-one cool episodes for you to check out. So do it. Well, I told you I'd keep you here for thirty minutes. We went fifty-seven. So I I'm mean, not I'm not. I told you I was not surprised. <laughs> I, 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 I want to thank you for joining me for this very vaguely conceived uh, musical discussion that I tried my best to come up with. I mean, it was a fun one. It was hard for me. It was interesting to try to figure out and like condense it down and those ideas. But trust me, look, it's I, tough. I had multiple conversations with like Mercer just being this, like, hey. This last started with like 15 songs, but I had to cut it down. Uh, and again, we'll get to Kevin's in just a minute when we get back from the break. But again, follow Malik, uh, and again, at ATA underscore pod on Twitter. I will link for everything else. Malik, thank you so much. Appreciate you. It's great Anytime. to have you on. Uh, and best of luck, as always. Anytime. Thank you. You're very welcome. Poor Pete Squad. <laughs> Jealous when he comes in, he's always got good, mm. like clothing mm. style. I always give him credit for that. He's younger than me. I forget. I forget that he's like way younger than me. And still way cool. younger, way like, cooler. Still cooler. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Everyone who's younger than me is cooler than me. I found. Well, because we lost our edge. <laughs> Losing my edge. It's tough. Uh, so thanks again to Malik. Again, all the songs that Malik and I discussed mm. uh, from this week's uh, from our musical algorithm are available on this week's UCAS mixtape, along with the six songs that Kevin will share with me as we get into his. Mm. Big six songs. And Kevin, I guess I'll reframe this again for people who skipped through the interview for some stupid reason. Uh, what we're essentially thinking about is six songs in some sort of vague order 
that represent your sort of journey as the songs you like to the music you like today. Mm. Uh, and then after you're done, and we'll go a little, we, we can break down some of I have a, a real fun game for you that I think you're really, really going to like. Okay. I, I think you're really excited for it. Okay. So, Kev, do you want to start with your first or earliest song? Uh, I didn't really understand that there was, like, supposed to be a chronological I see. order of anything. Everything kind of comes from, I thought it was more about foundational songs. That's the foundations fine. of things that, like, we like. So, a lot of it all comes from closer to the same time. Sure. I didn't add uh, probably anything that came out later than... I don't know if there's anything that came out later than even almost like 2000 for me. Interesting. Or the mid-2000s, because by that point, the foundational stuff is sort of set in stone. Right. So I could pretend that like something I started liking in 2011 is like this huge foundational thing for me, but at that point, the foundations were already set, so I think I misunderstood the assignment. I mean, as late as I got, I only got as far as like LCD sound system, and that's probably like mid-2000s, right? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I mean, I don't think I got any mid far. to like late, probably. Yeah, I Maybe guess like early, like something like that. I don't know, either way. Yeah, I don't think I got too much later than that though either. So that's probably about in line. Sure. Uh, um, so yeah, I've got. So what songs? I don't know what your songs are either. All right. Well, we'll we'll play. Let's play the fun game first, and then maybe that'll help you out. I have my six songs here that I picked, and I will right. share them with you. And because you know me, yeah, better than any person on the planet. Sure. I'm going to let you decide which of these songs is bullshit for being on my list, and I'm full of crap for putting it on here. Okay. Are you... <laughs> figured mm-hmm. you'd have... Number one was Fearless by Pink Floyd. Uh, my argument was that although I loved the Beatles growing up, Pink Floyd was something I found on my own, whereas the Beatles was kind of presented something to me to by my stepdad. That's fair. Uh, number two was Garden <clears throat> Grove by Sublime, one of the first like songs that I mm. heard from my older sister. Yeah. Uh, number three, Sublime was a big one for you. I remember you loving Sublime when we were like young. Uh, number three was Chump by Green Day. Uh, this, as I even said in the interview, could have been Blink-182, but I we talked off the left air. That I, I left yeah, some room yeah, for you. Fair. Number four was Fair mm-hmm. by Ben Folds 5, mm-hmm. uh, which was a band I got into during musical theater, and because a girl showed it to me and I was at a crush on her. And one of your all-time favorites. Number five is Us by Stephen Malkmus and the Jicks. Uh, this is supposed to represent the pavement college mm. era. I just think we use too much pavement on the show. So mm. I wanted to do something sort of off-center. That's fair. And then last but not least was I Can Change by LCD Sound System, which sort of represents the my my frustration with earnestness and evil dancing is my new love for like what kind of music I like. Mm. And LCD Sound System is the sort of modern sound. Yeah, yeah. Of those six songs, which is the most bullshit? What am I lying the most it's about? It's gotta be the Malkmus one only because... And I know what you did there. I get it. Yeah. Because you didn't want to do Pavement again because we've, we've talked about Pavement. We've put Pavement on some yeah. other mixtapes and stuff like that. But, I mean, the, it's Pavement for you. you know <laughs> yeah, it's I mean? Pavement like, it really, for sure. It really is. Yeah, so I understand what you're saying a little bit with the order. So I'll tell you the songs. I'll try to form out some sort of order in my head. Um, I found it kind of tough to do six yep. because there's a lot of qualifiers for like various genres. I mm-hmm. sort of stuck down one lane. It's a little bit more rock-oriented lane because I became a musician and like play bass and guitar. And that's the stuff that really sort of set the core and the foundations for me. Um, so the first song I've got is uh, one that I got from my dad, and it's Bob O'Reilly by The Who. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, also, people say Teenage Wasteland as well. Everybody knows it if you hear yeah. it, even if you don't think you do. That was one I yeah. remember, even as a young kid, my dad turning up in the car and, you know, windows down driving on Sunday afternoon, you know, on some sunny day and stuff like that. That's uh, that's huge. Like, when those piano chords come in over that synth, it's, yeah. it gives me Great. goosebumps every time I listen to it now. Could have easily made this list. Still, yeah. Um, and, you know, I like The Who, and that was, that was a big gateway for me into, like, really enjoying classic rock and mm-hmm. getting into that besides just some singles. 
Um, so am I just going down the list? Yeah, go down. I love it. I love okay. it. Okay. Um, so I think the next one for me that was really big, I put on Aliens Exist by Blink-182. Wow, Aliens Exist. So it's always been one of my standout tracks on Enemy <laughs> of the State. Always been one of my favorites on there. And I wanted to pick something. It had to be Blink because yeah. I remember like when I started, you know, I sort of put a lot of like hip-hop music and stuff to the side. But I remember yeah. in eighth grade when this Blink album came out and people were buying guitars and... I started hanging out with like different mm-hmm. people, and that was sort of the genesis. Like that whole summer with the windows open, listening to that Blink album, and I picked Aliens Exist because I didn't want to pick one of the singles or something sure. like that that everybody knows. Sure. You, want to get you like Aliens Exist though? Did you do the live did. version or the? I thought about it. I was gonna put the live version of Wendy Clear. Ooh, uh, but the Ooh. end. But because it's on that live album, it's got the stuff at the end. It does have all the stuff. And it's it like that. It was one of the ones where it's it. like, "Hi, I'm the devil." And I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's the big crux with Blink is you have to sort of, as a Blink fan, you have to like just be like, it yep, is what it is. It is what it is, right? Yeah. It is what it is. Um, and then another, the next one for me, I put uh, "My Name Is Jonas" by Weezer. Mm. The Weezer, yep. the Blue Album. Yep. Um, I could have put "Say It Ain't So." Yep. I mean, "Say It Ain't So" is is yep. beyond foundational for a song. I've played that with every band or group I've ever been with. I've probably played that song a million times, you know, with with bands with listening to it. But I went with "My Name Is Jonas" because that was the song that really got me into that album as a whole. It's the first track on the album, and it just sort of gets it. Gets that it one, going. that one kind of makes me upset because as I looked at my list of six, I thought I had really picked. A good six that hit almost like every. Mm. Like I got some classic. I got some weird garage sky. I got some punk. I got some pop. I got a little bit of indie, and I got some electro. And the Weezer one throws me for a loop because I don't know which of those subcategories Weezer would have. I would need a mm. seventh. Category. That's that's why it's tough because you get into categories. You know what I mean? And you start you start playing yourself out. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, tough stuff. It was almost going to be the world has turned and left me here. Yep. But yep. then, I, in 11th hour, I thought my name is Jonas. I'm like, that's a little yeah. more appropriate for this. Yeah. You'll probably hear The World Has Turned and Left Me Here on a Uticast yeah. mixtape at some point. Somewhere, but yeah. This isn't the one. Um, after that, I have to put... Um, I put Not For You by Pearl Jam. Mm. Now, Pearl Jam mm-hmm. is is a colossally important band to me. I got into them the um, same time I was getting to Blink. Like a proto-interesting guitar band for me. Uh, and they've got all the different singles from 10 and yep. stuff that everybody knows, you know, Jeremy, Alive, Even Flow. And those are all big songs for me. The album that really got me into it was Live on Two Legs. I almost did oh, the yeah. live version of Corduroy. Oh, yeah. Classic. I almost did that or the live version of Better Man. But last minute I went with Not For You because I saw your picks. I'm like, oh, he's got kind of some hip picks. I got to get off the, the mainstream straight ahead. You know what kind of ruined the live version of Corduroy for me? Mm. Is that Bill Simmons uses it as his podcast intro every single show. It's always the live version of Corduroy and I love it but I'm like, Simmons is coming. That's true, here he comes. Here comes Simmons. Um, But Not For You is one of my favorite songs uh, by the band, one of my favorite songs off one of my favorite albums, Vitalogy. So I had to to have Pearl Jam on the list. God, I don't know where that falls in my categories. In the Pink Floyd category? (laughs) See? See? God damn it. The hipster stratification. It's got, it's all skewed. It's all weighted. Um, my number five pick, um, like I said before, I didn't put any hip hop on the list, although that was Same. really important to me and foundation. We could do a separate list about hip hop if kinda, we wanted to. It kind of becomes a different thing. Yeah. yeah. It felt like a different thing from the assignment of uh, what we were doing. You know, and like I said, my identity as a musician and somebody who's played rock music or something like that for most of my life. Um, but something that did really catch my interest, I put Down Rodeo by Rage Against the Machine. Hey, Rage. Uh, I was gonna. I had to put Rage Against the Machine when I I remember first hearing like Bulls on Parade on MTV when I was in like 
you know, mm-hmm. 1994, 96, whatever it might have been. And just, I couldn't believe, and I, you know, I liked hip hop then. I wasn't really listening to rock and certainly yeah. like hard rock or anything like that. But I heard Zach De La Roca rapping <laughs> over these, like these riffs and these beats. And it was just unlike anything I had ever heard. And that's something that married, that brought me in, you know, a young kid who listened to hip hop and rap music brought me into heavier music and was kind of a gateway for me. So Rage was a hugely, hugely important band for me when I was really young and getting into defining what music was mine. You know, it's funny you say that because we watched a video not too long ago on YouTube about like screamo music or screaming in music. Mm, And I said to you, you know, even when we were growing up and we were in our young punker phases Mm. in our our youngest, coolest phase, right? We saw a lot of like the screamo vibes and stuff around you. And Mm. even then when I was like trying to be cool, it never really hung with me. I had a hard time with like screaming music. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say that Rage was my... Like, I like this. I don't know what this is, if mm. this is screaming or rapping or, like, yelling, but this is dope. Like, yeah, I was like, this... really, there's not really... He'll, like, unleash a scream yeah. every once in a while a little bit, but, like, they don't, they're not a screaming band. But I think for me, like, as a guy who didn't always love heavy metal growing yeah, up, yeah. didn't love, like, hard, hard rock growing up, growing up mm-hmm. on, like, the Beatles and Pink Floyd and weird, like, stuff like that, Yeah, I think Rage was a big gateway band. For, for sure. For people. For so, sure. yeah. And, well, um, and also, for me, it makes me laugh because I think about like when I was first hearing Rage and like, I was like 11 or 12 years old. And it's just funny because I'm sitting here and I'm listening to, you know, you listen to the lyrics and like Don Rodeo and any Rage Against the Machine song. And I'm just listening to, you know, I, I look I look at the way that I feel about things politically now. Oh and I just look back to the stuff that I listen to and I'm like, well, a lot of this stuff must have sunk in really hard. You know what yeah. I mean? Like just being 12 years old, listening to like stuff about dismantling Eurocentrism and all this like wild <laughs> content. And just being young and being like, oh, this is crazy. That was a band that really made me realize that, like, people are making songs yeah. about stuff. Which is funny, because the thing I was thinking about when you said that is Garden Grove by Sublime. When I was a kid, I didn't realize mm. what that song was about. I just yeah. liked the sort of rhythms. It was sort of poppy and cheery. And then I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this song's about, like, being poor and your life is terrible and you're, yeah. like, a criminal. And, like, like, it's like, wow, this song is way darker mm-hmm. than I gave it credit for. And it's, it's always funny to me when that stuff comes around when you're older and you're like, huh. Second life, second listen, right? And then I cut your last one off. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off on the last one. Oh, no, you, we, we didn't get there yet. Um, we were, and so for the last one, uh, number six, had to be uh, Paranoid Android. Yeah. Radiohead. Mm-hmm. That was, I liked some Radiohead songs before, um, and I got a copy of OK Computer, and Paranoid Android was, was the one, that was the key, that was the gateway for me. Once I... Once I like understood, enjoyed, embraced, got mm-hmm. deeply into that, that was the key to unlocking all the weird, wonderful stuff I would find afterwards. And Radiohead still to this day is my favorite band. Do you want to uh, hear Haters Be Damned? <laughs> do you want to hear? Uh, <laughs> do you want to hear some of my honorable mention didn't make the list? I'll hit you real quick with them. Oh yeah, I could probably I could probably come up with some of those off the top of my head. I you want to get well? Blink and Radiohead and Pearl Jam certainly mm-hmm. were. I just sort of let go of those. Anything else that we missed that I? What else would have made the list for me? You're you're good at this game. Oh man, for you, um, let me think. Stuff that should have made the list for you that didn't make the list for you. Oh, I feel like there's got to be some some Elliot Smith in there somewhere. Elliot Smith was a thought. Uh, got to be some Steely Elliot Dan. Smith in there. Steely Dan, just because like Steely Dan. Uh, the Beatles was almost on the list as opposed to Pink Floyd. The Beatles, because it's, the Beatles is like everybody's, though. Uh, like, the Beatles is like a freebie. You know what I mean? That's like when you get the free spot in the middle of bingo. Yeah. It's like, well, of course the Beatles. Sublime could have been Bob Marley and the Whalers. And the reason it wasn't mm-hmm. is I thought Sublime represented a larger genre. It had some punk aspects to it as opposed to just like ska and reggae. Mm-hmm. Whereas Bob Marley is very just like hard reggae, right? That's fair. And then Hank Williams. Because Hank Williams, the original Hank Williams country music 
when I was a little kid was what my grandfather drove around listening to, like Hank Williams and Conway Twitty and the Andrews Sisters. And I don't love that music, but I would be lying if I told you that I couldn't remember a couple of those songs strictly because they were smashed into my brain from, like, 7 till, like, 13, right? Just, yeah, yeah. like, songs like uh, Hey Good Looking by, mm-hmm. by Hank Williams, Call Elijah, Jambalaya, all mm. classic hits from the single guitar country music era. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I, I would put in honorable mentions that I could have gotten into. Stuff that came later than, you know, all the things yeah. uh, all the things that I put on my list. And a lot of bands from different, like, closer to subgenre stuff that means a lot to me, like... I could make I could make an argument for a band like Jimmy Eat World. Yeah. Um, I could make an argument for uh, you know even like when the first two Killers albums came out mm-hmm. and that changing a lot of stuff that I enjoyed and was kind of looking to and pushed me back towards like some different like new wave and stuff I might not have known about because of my age. Yeah, new wave is an interesting um, one. You know, and and where you find that stuff and what puts you that way. You know, there's there's a lot of bands that could make arguments for that. Um, there's, there's just so much good music. Would you man. argue that Radiohead is your last favorite band? No. No, no. No. Mm-hmm. But I just... It does also come to the point where um, it's going to be... It's tough for anybody to catch up. I would say LCD Sound System is probably my last favorite band. Like, well, Parquet Courts. I don't know if I've... I like Parquet Courts a lot right now, but at the I guess that's of, what does it mean when you say... What, what, yeah. what does it mean to be, quote-unquote, favorite I don't band. think I could ever like Parquet Courts better than LCD Sound System. Oh, I don't... Yeah, you I know don't what think, I'm saying? I don't like, think I was, I'll probably ever like another band. I don't think I like LCD Sound System better than Radiohead, necessarily. I don't think no. those are the same question, right? Mm-hmm. But it would be hard... Parquet Courts is about as close as any band in the modern era has come to cracking my, like, pantheon yeah. of automatic well, it becomes, bands, I was right? having a conversation about this this weekend, and I was talking with uh, one of the guys in my band, and we were talking about, he had heard an interview where two guys were arguing about, like, best best mm-hmm. three rock bands of all time. Yeah. And uh, I think it was, like, on the Howard Stern show, and Howard Stern was like, oh, you know, if you don't have the Beatles and the Stones in there, then you're not, like, a serious person, I can't listen to you. And the guy was like, well, you know, I'm a music teacher and music historian, and technically I would say, you know, uh, like, Rush and... Yeah, uh, Rush. Rush and, you know, somebody else like that, or Rush and Queen mm. are better bands than, you know, the Stones and the Beatles. Yes. And we were getting into this, and the guy in my band is very, he's uh, he's got a pretty conservative musical outlet where he's very, very, uh, gives a lot of credence to, like, the traditional classic mm. rock and, you know, the old gods and so to speak. But that's kind of the conversation we opened up into, and I was like, hey, but like, what does it mean when you talk about what's the best or the favorite, and where is that different, and what's the criteria, you know, because I'll never find a band probably that hits me the same way that, like, you know, I like Radiohead, but that stuff has been going on for so long and came around at a foundational musical time that you just can't compete with that time investment. This happens a lot in sports, right? Because you start to think, like, is Hakeem Olajuwon better than Bill Russell? Well, they didn't Mm. play at the same time, right? And it's hard to quantify what's better. As an Mm. athlete, yeah. I mean, Anthony Davis might be a better athlete today than any of those guys simply because he lives today in a world where athletes take their... Sure, yeah. Or even the the notion of, like, you know, getting, like, further, further apart. Like, imagine it's a football team. It's like, okay, well, is this running back better than this... Uh, what, who's the guys that that catch interceptions? You know uh, what I mean. Quarterback. Like, yeah. So this yeah. defensive guy versus this offensive guy, it's it's different mm. things. You know what I mean? What's your favorite food? Is it pizza or is it burgers? Well, those are two. That's two mm. different worlds. You know what I mean? Mm. And you can people can like what they like different ways, but mm. music is all subjective at the end of the day. Yeah, it's true, and uh, that's why I enjoy talking about it. And because uh, again, there's no right or wrong answer. I love the endless discussion of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
You don't need facts for music necessarily. Also, it's always nice to have a deep dive too, just because there's so much that's sort of you know rich history and different stuff like that. So it's cool. So idea. we will add all these songs that you just discussed to the list, and I'll release it with yeah. the pod. Six was tough. Six is tough. Six was tough. You have to give yourself like parameters and yeah. guidelines, so I can see where you you put yourself again. In there. My brain. Uh, I'll give you one last question that I shared with Malik before yes. we move on. Do you have a favorite musical subgenre that sort of vanished? Like something you were into for a minute and has now gone? Something, the the genre itself is gone yeah. or I have gone You've from gone it. from the genre. I've gone away from it. Um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of electronic music that I listened to more 10 to 12 years yeah. ago than there is that I listen to now. Mm. Um, just stuff that I just don't take the time to, you know, I think I used to like walk around yeah. a lot more back then and so sometimes something that's like electronic or like instrumental is better mm. for that kind of thing but so I think a lot of like some boards of canada kind of, kind of electronic like ambient electronic music no, or like no, some no. skrillex electronic. not not no i mean not skrillex but like yeah more like i i guess it would fall under the umbrella of edm now the yeah. way everything does but like sure. a lot of people stuff like um what's his name the r2 R2J2? Yeah, RDJ2? Whatever yeah. that guy's name is. Ghost Him, the people like the Ratatat, the people like even the early, like the Pretty Lights. A lot of people doing like instrumental. A lot of instrumental music has kind of fallen by the wayside for me, I feel like a bit. For me, I said Chill Wave because that no longer exists as a genre, but I was into it real hard. For it's like just like game. everything now. Now everything's everything. Chill wave, all yeah. the pods, what it all sounds like. Uh, because we did such a long musical history, I only have two history lessons for us this week. Mm. But they are interesting. Uh, and they tie into a, a same event we're going to talk about. So, let's get through some history lessons real quick before we close up today. Uh, on this day, 1918, an incident would go down that would, uh, in the lore of World War I history. Have you ever heard of Henry Tandy? Private Henry Tandy, a British soldier? My name sounds familiar, but World War II, hella dense. So this is World War I, actually. World War I, uh, So, he's in the French village of Marcong, and he reportedly encounters a wounded German shoulder sh uh, soldier, mm. and in a time of uh, sympathy, he does not shoot him. Tandy took part in the first Battle of uh, Priests in October 1814, the Battle of the Somme in eight, uh, 1916, and was wounded in the leg. Uh, in July and October of 1918, he was serving under the 5th Duke of Wellington. It was during this time that he took part in a successful British capture of Marcong in which he earned the Victoria Cross for his copious bravery. So he's killing it here in his battle, right? Mm. As he told sources later during the final moments of that battle, as the German troops were in retreat, a wounded German soldier entered Tandy's line of fire. I couldn't take aim, he said. He said, I took aim, but I couldn't shoot a wounded man, so I let him go. The German soldier nodded in thanks and disappeared. As the story goes, this 29-year-old man was Lance Corporal Adolf Hitler. Mm. So that's the uh, the infamous story of Henry Tandy, mm. that he spared the life of a 29-year-old Adolf Hitler in 1918. Sources do not prove the exact whereabouts of Hitler during this time, uh, and this story is sort of a, a famous myth, who knows, yeah, like, yeah. Who knows if it really happened. Uh, as the story goes, though, in 1938, British Pr Prime Minister uh, Neville Chamberlain travels to Germany to engage Hitler in a last-ditch effort to avoid another war in Europe. He was taken by the Fuhrer to his new house in Bavaria, and there he showed Chamberlain a copy of a painting of a photo that had Henry Tandy in it. Like, there's a, a, a photo that they took in the paper mm. of him coming back from thing, and he Hitler showed the painting to Chamberlain and goes, See this man? This is the man who nearly killed me. 
Again, seems like a wild story. I don't know how true it is. It got me thinking about sliding doors in history. And I found this article. It's on Mental Floss. And I'm going to let you guys know. It's obviously based on, like, stories that people have talked about, right? Mm. But it's sliding door moments in history and what could have happened. I'll give you a good example. Number one, what if the South won the Civil War, right? Their effect says that America would, we, would become one nation again, but not until 1960. Mm. Uh, the explanation is that in a 1960 article published in Look Magazine, Civil War buff, uh, a Civil War buff envisioned a history in which the Confederate forces won the Civil War, forcing Lincoln into exile. Southern forces would then annex Washington, D.C., renaming it the District of Dixie, which is hilarious. Mm. The U.S. would move its capital to Columbus, Ohio, which would now be called Columbia, Ohio. Uh, it could no longer afford to buy Alaska from Russia, though, because mm. of this. Texas would eventually get unhappy, declare its independence in 1878. Under international pressure, the southern states would gradually abolish slavery. After fighting through two world wars, the nations would be reunified in 1960. That's the the idea. So there's a ton of these on here. Stretching all over the place. Stretching all over the place. Yeah, They're yeah. definitely full of shit. But I I found a really I really enjoy reading. Yeah, all yeah. Of I these. love I love speculative like alternate history and stuff like that. So so I found that, and then I was doing the next history lesson on this day, 1955. James Dean dies in a car accident. Uh, he was uh, he had yet to release his two most popular movies, Rebel Without a Cause and Giant, which opened shortly afterwards. But it sort of made him a legend in Hollywood. People know this, obviously, already. As I was reading the what-ifs, there's another what-if down the list. Check it out. Number four. Wait, where, I must, where'd it go? There it is. What if James Dean had survived his car crash? The effect, Robert Kennedy survives his assassination attempt. Damn. <laughs> Damn. This is based that one off, hurts. This is based off a 2004 novel called The Revel. Uh, the Rebel, which portrayed a history in which James Dean survives his car accident. Uh, he gets into politics, becomes the Democratic governor of California, and runs against Reagan and wins. <laughs> so there you go. He would have saved Robert Kennedy uh, as his running mate against Reagan. Speculatively. Spe <laughs> Just wild. Well, what if he had become the governor? Yeah, so there you go. If you want to see some more wild speculation about potential what-if moments in history, you can read this mental floss argument, uh, issue from like 2013. I thought it was pretty good. Let's get into some wild news this week, because there is some real wild news before we close out this week. You told me this story. I didn't hear about it until yesterday. Uh, NFL legend Joe Montana... Uh, and his wife, earlier this week, confronted a woman suspected of trying to kidnap their grandchild. Uh, Montana told the police that a woman entered his home, mm -hmm. removed his nine-year-old grandchild from a playpen, and held the child in her arms. That's horrifying. Yes. <laughs> this feels like a story that you'd like, no. People, this doesn't happen. People don't walk into people's houses. Should have asked the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> Uh, according, walked right in there. <laughs> according to the uh, CNN, a tussle ensued and Mrs. Montana was able to safely pry the child out of the suspect's arms. Uh, Joe Montana, though. I like it. Respect to Joe Montana. A legend. Got to protect your grandkids. Yeah, 100%. Uh, here's a story that you're going to love because um, it validates things I've said in the past as bullshit. Earlier this week, a man died after eating too much black licorice. That's right. The black licorice killed the man. Mm. Uh, it's not mm. exactly what happened. Uh, there's a man, uh, he was a construction worker in Massachusetts, 
His poor diet over his lifetime consisted primarily of several packages of candy daily. Just eating tons of candy. The candy mm. man. Mm-hmm. Three weeks before he died, he switched from eating fruit-flavored soft candy to licorice candy, which contains something called, I'm going to screw this up, glytrizic acid? Glytrizic mm. acid? I'm going to, glycizic acid. Sure. Sure. Fine. Yeah, bad acid. Glycizic acid is a sweetening compound derived from licorice root, which can cause a drop in potassium levels in the blood, which in turn may cause high blood pressure, swelling, abnormal heart rhythms, and even heart failure. This is a quote from the FDA. When black licorice, while black licorice is safe in small quantities, it can be dangerous when consumed in large amounts and even in more moderate amounts on a regular basis. I can't buy good and plenties anymore now. Ask me how I feel about this. The end of licorice. Ask me how I feel about this. Uh, I'm sure. How do you feel about this? I feel vindicated. (laughs) I feel vindicated because I'll tell you what, black licorice is bad. Bad for everybody. It's not good. Nobody likes it. It doesn't taste good. It's like, I, I don't understand. Uh, I don't get. I don't. I don't understand what people think they're doing. Apparently, even people forty or older should be especially vigilant because even two ounces a day of black licorice within a two, over a two week period can cause irregular heart rhythm. What? I don't understand. Uh, I did come up with a new Ban band name: uh, Licorice Death. Mm. Just all caps: Licorice Death. Oh, I came up with an incredible band name the other day. Oh, what was it? Forgot it. <laughs> I was gonna write it down. I meant to tell you. A uh, great band name for us. Uh. Let's do this one real quick. Uh, last week I talked about the person who said, like, act surprised. Like, oh, I didn't know, officer. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. I hated what they were doing, but I liked their energy. Yes. Similar story this week. A secret man cave was discovered below Grand Central Platform where three MTA pl- employees have been reportedly partying, watching TV, and smoking. Oh, I love this. So even though they were doing a terrible <laughs> thing, uh, not doing their job, doing it at the expense of the MTA workers... I respect the ingenuity of finding essentially an unknown piece of land under... Like, look at this. There's a picture that people can't see. So they had essentially, like, a little room built in with, like, a microwave and a fridge and a TV on the wall. And they were down there just chilling. No one had a key for the room. And the supervisors uh, didn't even know the the room was actually there. Listen, I gotta... I gotta... You know, I get it. Like, wow, everybody should be doing their jobs. They're working. You know, they should be working hard. Taxpayer dollars. All that garbage. Um... Here's my thing. For anybody who's ever had, like, a, a bullshit job that they hate, yep. I would imagine a lot of these MTA guys have bullshit jobs that they hate with, like, yes. all this. Yes. I can't knock the hustle. No. I can't help but no. smile and laugh and be like, ah, you rascals. I don't support it, but I love the energy. I love the vibes. Uh, let's get to a final dumb thing this week. This is from Defector's website. They did a list of burger rank burger toppings ranked. I'm just going to share mm. the top ones with you. Number one, Bacon. Number two, pickles. Three, cheddar cheese. Four, caramelized onion. Five, pepper jack cheese. What are your thoughts about these top five? Strong. I like all of these things. Yeah. What do you think the bottom was? Um, uh, I bet the second to last was something silly to make a point about the very last. Getting hit by a food truck. That is correct. There you go. There you go. Classic. That's been... What's dead last? Coleslaw. Yeah, not on on a burger. Yeah, no, that's weird. I don't dislike... I don't like coleslaw generally, mm. but I felt like this would be higher. Spinach was low on the list. Bell peppers, barbecue sauce. With spinach, you got to be doing a whole certain kind of thing. Yeah, I'm with I'm with them on barbecue sauce. I I, I don't need a barbecue burger necessarily. Uh, I feel like eggs and avocado at 16 and 17 on a 23 number list feels kind of low. Mustard I like mustard looks a little low. A ketchup like is mustard. low. I mean, I get what they're saying, but it's ketchup. There's a lot of cheese and onion double up here. They have yeah, caramelized onion, raw onion, and fried. 
Onion at four, six, and eight. That's a lot. You got to make a call. I'll tell you what I don't see on the list, and probably my number one thing, Hunter Burger, honestly, is a one sauce. A1 sauce, interesting. Don't really use it with steak all the time huh. if it's a nice steak that I like, but yeah. A1 on a burger, there's nothing better than A1 on a burger for, as far as I'm concerned. We're going, uh, we've gone a little bit long, but before we close out today, I have one mailbag question for you that I have to share with you because I think we'll enjoy it. How do you think you would do, Kevin, if you had to fight a clone of yourself? Would you anticipate your own moves? Or would it just be you and him flailing and punching each other until you fall over from collapsation on exhaustion? Oh, no, it would be very strategic. It would be a real chess match. Um, it would be a real chess match. Might sit down at the table and play chess, as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah. I think. Might talk yourself into a game of skill as I'm opposed to, to team up. Uh, team up. trying to team up. See, I don't trust myself to be that magnanimous. <laughs> if it was me, it would just be me putting me in a if headlock. You trying, to, you trying yeah. to get over on yourself. Me and me trying to put each other in a headlock until we both pass out and then play video games. That's probably what would happen. But then feel bad about the fact that we played video games instead of doing something productive. Mm. And then we'd be depressed together. So that would, that would be how it would go. I no, I can't imagine it would be a slobber knocker. I don't think I have what it takes to want to punch myself in the face. I feel like I'd be able to talk myself out of it. I might be able to talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'd be like, hey, self, listen. No, no. Uh, all right, that's it, folks. Uh, thank you once again to Malik Gale for coming over, having a great, long, awesome conversation with us about music. Uh, shout out to Heather Waz out there in the wild. Whenever you're back, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready to come back in from the cold, here whenever you're you. out here in the woods. Uh, follow Heather at Heatherwise one Follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. You can follow me at SF Doom. Follow the show at Uticast. Follow follow uh, for the lads at FTL Sports. How about that? I got yeah, the yeah. Twitter profile back. Shout out. Follow Bobby and Apollo. Uh, Bobby Apollo and Drew the Greek. Uh, Sayonara, humanoids. Keep it tight. Woodstock lives. Uh, the tape machines are rolling. We are desperately, desperately out of time. And we will see you next week for a new episode of the Uticast on my brand new computer. Coming <laughs> any second. Any, any moment. second. If you check the door, they might I've, be here now. They might be here now. They might be here now. Be here now.